House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's political future is on the line with a vote to remove him as Speaker. This hour on Capitol Hill, his colleagues are debating the vote to possibly oust him. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd, and this is WBUR's All Things Considered. Good afternoon, I'm Lisa Mullins. A case now before the Supreme Court could dramatically weaken the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Some consumer advocates are warning about potential consequences. Consumers like this, and you were going to burn some real political capital to defang it and make it ineffective. And Roman Catholic leaders are gathering at the Vatican for a meeting to address issues, including whether to allow women to become deacons in the church. These stories and Wall Street numbers are coming up. It's 401. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Critical setback in House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's fight to keep his job. Eleven Republicans have joined 207 Democrats to move ahead with an effort to remove him from the top position in the chamber, setting the stage for a final up or down vote this afternoon. NPR's Casey Morrell has the latest. If the motion to vacate does pass, the clerk of the House will refer to a list of people who can act as speaker. That list is kept secret and will only be made public in the event that the speakership is vacant. The House will then be forced to hold votes on a new speaker, though that could take time. Members will likely need to meet to discuss the path ahead, and they are already preparing for a fraught process. It took 15 rounds to elect McCarthy speaker in January, in part because there was no consensus alternative then, and there does not appear to be one now. Casey Morrell, NPR News, Washington. On Wall Street, major market indices have been down 1.5% to more to two more than 2% today, that is. David Wessel, head of the Hutchins Center on Fiscal and Monetary Policy at the Brookings Institution, says he thinks it has less to do with the GOP's leadership fight underway in the U.S. House than the fact that long-term interest rates, like the yield on 10-year treasuries, went up a lot today. When I looked to see what market analysts were saying, It seems mostly to be driven by the strength of the economy and higher interest rates leading people to flee stocks. Investors are worried the Fed may have to push rates even higher because the economy is resilient. Today, the Labor Department issued a stronger-than-expected report, 9.6 million job vacancies at the end of August, which means more room to hire. A more comprehensive look at the jobs market comes out this week. A new study finds that climate change is affecting one of the best tools forest managers have against wildfires. NPR's Nathan Rott has the latest. Prescribed fire, the act of planning, mapping, and lighting a fire to reduce vegetation and thin out woods is a critical part of forest management across the U.S. It's widely viewed as one of the best ways to reduce the kinds of megafires that climate change is making more common. But the new research from the University of California, Los Angeles, finds that climate change is also shrinking the window in summer and fall when it's safe enough for forest managers to light prescribed burns. It's particularly true in Southern California and New Mexico. The news is not all bad, though. More windows for prescribed fire may open up in the winter in some parts of the country because climate change is also making it hotter then. Nathan Rott, NPR News. It's day two of the $250 million civil fraud trial against former President Donald Trump in New York. He's accused of inflating the value of his real estate assets. The Dow has closed down 430 points. You're listening to NPR News.
This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Lisa Mullins. Massachusetts Democratic Congressman Jake Auchincloss says he will not help U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, the Republican uh, House Speaker, keep his post. Right-wing Republicans have called for his ouster after he struck a deal to continue funding the government for 45 days. Auchincloss says McCarthy has broken promises and bowed to former President Donald Trump. A vote is expected today. The MBTA is extending ferry service into the fall. The East Boston and Winthrop ferries will continue until November 30th. Ferry service to Lynn will run until the end of October. T officials say the increased service will fill growing demand for transit options into downtown Boston. And a Medfield contractor is facing more than $500,000 in fines for failing to pay out sick and overtime wages. Attorney General Andrea Campbell says Idea Painting Company owner Elias Delana Jr. owed employees one and a half times in overtime wages. The company also did not track or pay employees sick time. In the forecast, pretty gorgeous out there right now. 81 degrees should be nice tonight. Clear skies, 63 for low. And for tomorrow, bright sunshine once again, just a little bit cooler. Temperatures about 77 degrees for a high. This is 90.9 WBUR. It's 4.05. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by the Walton Family Foundation. Working to solve social and environmental problems to improve lives today and benefit future generations. More information at waltonfamilyfoundation.org. At NPR and this station, we're not beholden to anybody but you. Public media is central to our democracy, so please keep it strong and donate today. We hope you will donate now before we go to our first story in All Things Considered in just about three minutes. We're asking you please to keep us on track in this fundraiser. I'm Lisa Mullins with Magna Chakrabarty, and we are somewhat behind, unfortunately, in the fun drive, and we're hoping you can help us, I was going to say mind the gap. Uh, no, make up the gap. Whatever <laughs> you do, the gap. cross the gap. You know, I have a suspicion. Close the gap. Lisa, my suspicion is that a lot of our beloved listeners out there are the kind of folks who thrive on a deadline. <laughs> They're procrastinators. Do you know anybody like that? <laughs> Maybe I do. So I'm guessing that's you, you only have two days left now. And, and you know, that that is the deadline. If you've procrastinated so far in calling 1-800-909-9287, now's the time to get that off your mind and get the job done at, by donating to WBUR because, as Lisa says, you know, all jokes aside, we're behind where we want to be right now in our fall fundraiser. And it's absolutely important to set us up for strength next year that we reach our goal this year, right, Lisa? So I really hope that folks do call 1-800-909-9287. It's Layla Faldil from NPR's Morning Edition. The demonization of fact-based journalism is one of democracy's biggest threats. This aversion to truth has taken hold as the number of local newsrooms has dwindled, leaving reams of disinformation to fill the void. In public radio, we have a responsibility to counteract disinformation. This station is an oasis amid all the noise and fiction. Having a reporter at the school board meeting at City Hall, that is our resistance to the undermining of a free press. We resist by being there, by providing platforms for people to see themselves reflected and to see difference. We resist by building bridges and by holding people to account. We do it thanks to you. You give us the tools we need to fight attacks on truth by donating to this station. Here's how. 
by calling 1-800-909-9287 or going to WBUR.org. As we speak right now, the U.S. House is voting on whether to remove uh, uh, House Speaker McCarthy as Speaker, and this vote is one of the important things for us to cover. We are able to cover it because of your funding in the past, and we hope right now you realize that not just with the election, but there are so many things that are coming up that we're going to be there for you to cover, and you reap the results of that. You reap the results of your contribution, so please make the call now. Decide what WBR is worth to you, and if you can make a monthly contribution, we would so much appreciate that. one 800 909-9287. Pledge online, if you like, at WBUR.org. So this House vote going on right now about whether to remove Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House ha- is happening on the same day that we also have former President Donald Trump attending his civil trial uh, with on allegations of, uh, finan- of fraud. That On the national level, that's just two huge stories going on at the same time of many. NPR and WBUR is there. We're there for you on a national and international level to be sure that you're up to date on any of those stories. Lisa and my colleagues in the local newsroom give you just as much quality for our local news, which is equally, if not more important, in helping make sense of our lives. Put together, it's an unparalleled resource for you. And that's what WBUR is. And I hope that's why you support us and call 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. And once again, we appreciate uh, any and all contributions. If you can make a monthly contribution, we would be so grateful for that. If it's $10 a month, $15, $20 a month, whatever it is, we will put that money to very good use because we're transparent. You can see where it goes. It goes to what you hear on the air. It goes to what you get from your device. You can get the stream from the WBUR app. It goes to all the great stories at WBUR.org, to our podcast, to our uh, newsletters, to our events at City Space. Got a great one coming up tonight. And this is the kind of thing that you expect from WBUR. We expect to be able to give it to you uh, you know, ad infinitum, but that's not going to happen without pledges because we rely on you for the vast majority of our operating budget. The number, once again, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. And any amount that you can give monthly, if at all possible, will go directly to supporting the news and information and great stories and conversation you rely on. Ira Glass said this a long time ago. We have the most idealistic and transparent funding system there is. It just the other day, I was looking at my cable bill, and it went up by a few dollars. I don't know why they didn't explain it. It just did. We're not like that. You give to WBUR the value that WBUR gives to you. And any amount works for us because we treasure and are grateful for every dollar. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call or go to WBUR.org. And Magnum, what happens if you don't pay the cable bill? (laughs) I perish the thought, Lisa. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. The household collapses. Right. Well, if you don't support WBUR... Uh, maybe not now, but if you in aggregate don't support WBUR, then, uh, well, I don't even want I perish the thought of that as well. We rely on you, our listeners. We don't demand that you pay a bill. We don't, we, I mean, we, we request donations, of course, during our fund drives because we have to, because we are non-commercial radio. It's in our charter that we can't have commercials. What we have are you, our listeners, 
we're beholden to you. You won't get a bill from us and then a higher bill the next month and a higher bill the next month. You only have your own voluntary contributions uh, to make. And we hope you will do that right now. 1-800-909-9287, WBUR.org. Make a monthly contribution if you can. Thank you so much. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by H&H, the Handel and Haydn Society. Experience Handel's timeless tale of triumph over adversity, Israel and Egypt. This weekend, handelandhaydn.org. And UMass Chan Medical School, advancing together by using collaboration to drive new discoveries. More at umassmed.edu slash together. It's All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Mary Louise Kelly. And I'm Juana Summers. We are following two big stories out of Washington today. On Capitol Hill, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is facing a motion to remove him from his job, one brought by members of his own party. We are watching developments there, and we'll bring you the latest as we have it. First, though, to another big Washington story, the future of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It was on the line today at the Supreme Court. Justices heard arguments in a case where payday lenders who are policed by the CFPB are challenging the way the agency is funded. A federal appeals court ruled in the lender's favor, and if the high court were to agree, that could end the Bureau's ability to help protect consumers from abusive practices by lenders and other businesses. When the CFPB was founded back in 2011, Philip Glover was relieved. He needed the agency's help right away. Earlier that year, Glover and his wife had been struggling with the plumbing in their home in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. So they called a company to come out and take a look. They came and worked on the plumbing a little bit and and it kept backing up and backing up, but it never got fixed. And I had to go to another company. But the first company kept billing them and billing them, even though they hadn't fixed the problem. So Glover called the CFPB and... They sent them a letter, and the next time I got a letter from Roto-Rooter, it was that they would not be billing me any further. I was a corrections officer in the federal government, and I didn't make a lot of money, so that was that was helpful. Years later, the Glovers ended up going through a very similar experience. They had decided they didn't need their landline anymore, and they ended the service. But the phone company continued to bill them and bill them, and it ended up affecting Philip Glover's credit. So he reached out again to the CFPB. And the next thing I got was a uh, letter from Verizon that that would be removed from my credit report and that I wouldn't be hearing from them again on that matter. So we used that agency twice and really felt like they were responsive and helped us. For more on the history of the Consumer Watchdog Agency and its battle with payday lenders, we are joined now by NPR Scott Horsley. Hey, Scott. Hi, good to be with you. So I learned today you have been watching this for a long time, like way longer than I realized. Give us the backstory. (laughs) Well, for more than a decade now, there's been this tug of war over what kind of lease this watchdog agency should be on. Uh, But the payday lending story goes back even further. I started following the industry around the turn of the century uh, when it was still a pretty new industry. I was working in San Diego where there are a lot of military people and payday lenders often spring up around military bases to make loans to sailors and Marines who don't have a lot of money but do have a dependable paycheck. Uh, And other people also rely on payday lenders. Back in 2001, I spoke to Trudy Robidoux. She borrowed $800 to make a car repair. She wasn't able to pay it back right away, so she was invited to take out more loans. Ka-ching, you're hooked. You know, you can feel the 
hook right in your mouth, and you don't know it at the time, but it gets deeper and deeper. I was having to get one to pay another. It's a real nightmare. Eventually, that $800 loan wound up costing Robodeau thousands of dollars. And that's the kind of trap the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau was set up to prevent. Uh, The Bureau was originally dreamed up by Elizabeth Warren when she was still a law professor. Warren famously said, if you had a toaster with a one in five chance of blowing up, the government wouldn't let you sell it. So there ought to be similar safeguards for financial products. I think I have one of those toasters in my kitchen right now, Scott. But um, (laughs) staying focused here, the payday lenders are now, of course, at the heart of this challenge to the way that the Bureau is funded, this challenge that's now before the Supreme Court. What is the argument that they're making? They argue that the Bureau is funded out of fees that the Federal Reserve collects. It's not reliant on an annual appropriation from Congress. And Aaron Witte, who's with the Consumer Federation of America, says that was the goal, to insulate the watchdog from partisan politics. The way the CFPB was designed was intentional. Congress didn't want an agency whose effectiveness was going to ebb and flow with the whims of partisan politics. We were all reminded just this past weekend why it's risky to rely on Congress to renew your funding every year. Uh, And there are lots of other government agencies that don't have to have an annual appropriation, including the Federal Reserve itself. Still, the payday lenders argue this is unconstitutional. And if they succeed in that argument, then the CFPB won't be the only agency whose future is called into question. But if the point of setting up the Bureau and having it financed this way was to insulate it from politics, I mean, I'm looking back at the last dozen years or so, the the Bureau has not been entirely insulated from politics, has it? No, it has been a punching bag. When when Donald Trump was president, he installed Mick Mulvaney as director of the Bureau. Uh, Mulvaney had been one of the most outspoken critics of the watchdog as a member of Congress. And as director, he and other Trump appointees worked to really water down the Bureau's enforcement efforts. Uh, for example, part of the crackdown on payday lenders had been to say they had to make sure a borrower would be able to repay a loan without getting sucked into a cycle of debt. And that provision was actually struck down during the Trump administration. This followed an earlier battle in which the Supreme Court ruled that the director of the Watchdog Bureau can be fired by the president. Trump used that power to put his own stamp on the agency. So then President Biden has done so as well. For the last few years, we've had a much more active consumer protection agenda. And how does this play with the American people, Scott? You know, the CFPB is popular with the public. Polls show Democrats and Republicans alike feel it's useful to have an agency that's looking out for them in their dealings with often much more sophisticated financial institutions. Over the years, the Bureau has recovered some $17 billion for consumers. It's gone after not only predatory lenders, but debt collectors and student loan servicers and ordinary banks with their overdraft fees. Mike Calhoun, who heads the Center for Responsible Lending, says no agency is really immune from politics, but the Bureau has proven to be pretty resilient and remarkably popular. Consumers like this, and you were going to burn some real political capital to defang it and make it ineffective. Calhoun says the Bureau has been a game changer when it comes to financial regulation, and that's why it's facing a serious challenge for businesses who found the old way of playing the game very profitable. That is NPR's chief economics correspondent. Before that, our White House correspondent. And before that, our San Diego reporter. Who knew? (laughs) NPR's Scott Horsley. Thank you. Good to be with you. Women leaders in the Roman Catholic Church. That is one of the big topics up for discussion at the Vatican starting tomorrow. During a nearly month-long meeting, clergy and laity will consider the possibility of women becoming deacons. NPR religion correspondent Jason DeRose reports. 
For more than a dozen years, Jasmine Jimenez was a Catholic school teacher, a job that highlighted contradictions, like teaching her students that the church excludes women from the sacrament of ordination to the priesthood. We told them that we all have common dignity and a common mission, and then you fast forward to a course on sacraments, and we say, oh yeah, well, but not here. Jimenez is a member of American Martyrs Catholic Church in Manhattan Beach, California. For the last several years, the congregation has been holding listening sessions in preparation for this month's Vatican meeting. For me, it was a place where you could talk about exclusion and marginalization and pain that has been felt either personally by myself or by people that I know and love who are either in the church or who have left the church. What came out of those sessions was sent up to the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and then on to the Vatican. Jimenez says the conversations clarified something for her. If women were allowed to be deacons in the Catholic Church, Absolutely. Tomorrow, I would seriously discern and consider becoming a deacon. It is a pain point for me that that is not something that I am able to discern at this time. Jimenez is traveling to Rome as an observer with the organization Discerning Deacons. The Vatican meeting, called a synod, will include nearly 500 participants talking and listening, and for the first time, about 10% will be women. Which by Catholic standards, is a big improvement. <laughs> Massimo Fagioli is a professor of Catholic theology at Villanova University in Pennsylvania. He says Pope Francis broached the idea of women deacons early in his papacy. Which broke a taboo because for many people that issue had been solved forever by John Paul II and Pope Benedict who had zero interest. Deacons aren't priests and can't preside at communion or hear confessions, but they are official leaders who preach and teach and baptize, something Fagioli says women already do in many Catholic parishes. We allow you to do these things as long as you don't ask to be formally acknowledged. So many of us think that it's time to get rid of this hypocrisy. Sisters and brothers, the Lord be with you. St. Monica's Catholic Community in Santa Monica is one of the largest congregations in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Our reading is from the Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew. Lloyd Torgerson has been pastor here for 35 years. He says the message from his congregation's listening sessions was clear. Make sure that there's room in the tent for everyone. They want to hear their pastors say that to them, that you're welcome where you can come and find our Lord and find each other and find an honor and respect for each other. Torgerson says everyone includes divorced Catholics, as well as gays and lesbians who often feel excluded. Those concerns will also be part of the conversation in Rome. That very openness to dialogue, set by Pope Francis, has been revolutionary for Lupita Perez. In the before time, I'm, I need to be honest with you, I wasn't very much involved in my community, in my church, in my relationship with the church. She's a member of Our Lady of Guadalupe in San Diego. She's now a youth minister, also traveling to the Vatican Synod as an observer. Perez is hopeful, but cautious. Some may be like listening, but are you really, really open to the change? Some may not be open to it. Being listened to but not heard, says Perez, would be heartbreaking. Jason DeRose, NPR News.
You're listening to All Things Considered from NPR News. We are funded by you, our listeners, and by MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink, sponsoring Discovery Museum's more than 2,500 traveling science workshops for Massachusetts schools. And Lessons in Chemistry. Oscar winner Brie Larson stars as a chemist who hosts a cooking show, proving life doesn't follow a formula. Streaming October 13th on Apple TV+. This is 90.9 WBUR. Losses across the board on Wall Street today. The Dow fell about one and a quarter percent. S&P lost nearly one and four tenths percent. NASDAQ dropped almost two percent. This is 90.9 WBUR. We are funded by you, our listeners, and by Fresh City Kitchen. With a goal of delivering holiday catering everyone will keep talking about. FreshCityKitchen.com. And Stepping Stone, for a future where all students have access to a college education. Learn how you can support Boston students today at SteppingStone.org. Step by step, we are eventually going to make our final goal in this fun drive. We're taking just a couple of minutes right now. Uh, we being Magna Chakrabarty and me, Lisa Mullins, in order to ask you, if you haven't as yet, please make a monthly donation to WBUR. We would so appreciate it because it will help us bring you stories like the one that you just heard, the potentially very consequential synod or meeting at the Vatican, where among the issues they'll be discussing whether women can become deacons in the church. And then we have coming up in about 15 minutes. Sir Patrick Stewart talks about his recent memoir and why he sees playing Captain Picard as a kind of spiritual calling. Rachel Martin is doing that interview as part of her podcast, Enlighten Me, about spirituality in all its forms. This is one of the issues, spirituality, that we cover so well on WBUR and National Public Radio that you're not necessarily going to hear anywhere else. Um, and, and there are various reasons for that. We hope that you appreciate the broad array of stories that we bring you every day, every hour of the day, including on Megna's program, On Point. Here's the number before I go to you, Megna, 1-800-909-9287, or go online at WBUR.org. Lisa, what's better than, uh, or uh, let me put it this way, I would like everyone who's listening right now to engage with WBUR. I would like you to make it so that you call 1-800-909-9287. And what's better than Warp Factor 1? It's Warp Factor 3, right? 10, technically, but 3. And I pick (laughs) Warp 3 today because right now, if you call and you start a monthly subscription, a monthly donation to WBUR, it will be conversation. It's not even a conversation because I'm not saying anything. (laughs) Look, look, I... Honestly, my heart leapt when I heard that Rachel Martin's going to be talking with Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart, about playing Jean-Luc Picard. That show really shaped my childhood. But that's the great kind of sort of like unexpected conversation that you get on public radio, WBUR. And again, if you donate to support that kind of conversation right now and start a monthly contribution to WBUR, it will be tripled. So again... What's better than Warp 1? It's Warp 3. But you got to call 1-800-909-9287. Magna Show is on point, but this is all things considered, as you can tell. We offer you so much, and we hope you appreciate it and make a monthly contribution right now. Here's one example of uh, the storytelling that you, our listeners, make possible at WBUR. Hi, I'm Chloe Axelson, the senior editor of WBUR's Ideas and Opinion page. A 2017 essay by Julie Wittish-Slack gets a lot of attention whenever we repost it. The piece pivots on an old photograph of Julie's mom and dad 
and her aunt and uncle at the beach. All four have lived through tumultuous times, having survived Nazis and bankruptcy and disease. Yet in that photo... You can't imagine four people more full of life. Julie wonders how they did it. Did they have a stronger sense of agency? Had they simply lost their fear? Neither, she concludes. Those four parents simply loved life's essentials. Food, water, sun, and a herd to huddle with, with a blazing fierceness that parched despair before it could take root. I think people love this essay and keep returning to it because it delivers lessons for our anxious times, that even the most difficult of circumstances can be met with love and gratitude. A big part of my job is to help our authors uncover emotional truths. It's one of the ways our role at WBUR goes beyond telling you the news of the day to bringing you stories that illuminate ideas and foster connection. Fostering those connections starts with listener support. We hope you will start a monthly gift to keep WBUR strong and give this essential service a secure future. It would benefit us. It would benefit you. Give at WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287 or go online at WBUR.org. And we are so hoping that you will right now because we are substantially behind in this fund drive. You can help us close the gap on that now. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org is the number to call. And yes, here is a a truth, an emotional truth for us. We're behind where we want to be in our fall fundraiser, and we only have a couple of days left. So we need everyone who can to do their part now to help keep WBUR strong. 1-800-909-9287. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you for becoming a monthly contributor. If you've done it already, by the way, thank you so much. If you haven't, please make the call now. 1-800-909-9287. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Leslie University. Inspire a whole new generation of learners with an education degree from Leslie University. Get started today at leslie.edu. And Welch and Forbes, over 180 years of experience providing customized private wealth management for individuals and families. WelchForbes.com. Live from NPR News in Culver City, California, I'm Dwayne Brown. Former President Donald Trump is calling on the Republican National Committee to cancel next month's debate. NPR's Franco Ordonez says Trump wants the party to unite its resources and manpower behind his campaign. The Trump campaign says the RNC should end all future debates. Senior advisor Susie Wiles and Chris LaCivita said in a statement that anything less would be an admission to grassroots voters that their concerns about voter integrity are not being taken seriously and that national Republicans are more concerned about helping President Biden than ensuring a safe and secure election. The RNC plans to hold its third debate in Miami on November 8th. Trump has skipped every debate so far. There have been two. The former president leads his rivals by double digits in repeated polls, and he cites that lead as his reason for skipping the debates, arguing he shouldn't be expected to waste his time with rivals who are so far behind him. Franco Ordonez, NPR News. Well, while House Republicans at this hour deal with their own leadership crisis, the White House is urging them to continue supporting Ukraine's war against Russia. White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby says that Congress delaying more funding to Ukraine could tip the war in Russia's favor. 
American leadership remains key to ensuring that support for Ukraine continues. So the President looks forward to working with Congress to ensure that we make good on our commitment. And he has every expectation that Speaker McCarthy will keep his public commitment to secure the passage of the support needed to help Ukraine at this critical moment. Earlier today, President Biden spoke by phone with 11 NATO allies about coordinating aid for Ukraine after Biden failed to get Congress to agree to more aid as part of a stopgap bill to keep the federal government operating. The White House still expects Congress to pass the additional funding in the near future. This is NPR. This is 90.9 WBUR. Good afternoon. I'm Lisa Mullins. The head of the MBTA's department that oversees long-term system improvements is stepping down next week. WBUR's Andrea Pernolo Hernandez has more. Angel Benya has led the T's capital transformation team for less than two years. He oversaw projects involving improvements and repairs across the red, orange, blue, and green lines. His team coordinated repair work during the month-long orange line shutdown last year. In his resignation letter, Benya said he would be relocating to Texas, but did not say what his next career move would be. The T has not shared who will be filling Benya's role until a replacement is hired. Benya's last day is October 11th. For 90.9 WBUR, I'm Andrea Perdomo-Hernandez. Massachusetts residents are about to get some tax relief. Governor Maura Healey's office says she will sign the tax relief package approved by the legislature into law tomorrow. Officials say the changes could save state taxpayers a collective $561 million this fiscal year. Healy has repeatedly said Massachusetts needs to reform the tax code to make life more affordable for families and boost economic competitiveness. Members of the Women's Rights History Trail Task Force are seeking residents' feedback on sites for the trail. They're holding listening sessions across the state to get suggestions of sites important to the history and the fight for women's rights and suffrage in Massachusetts. State Representative Mindy Dom of Amher serves on the task force. She says anyone can submit an idea. It doesn't have to be, here's where there was a convention of a thousand people to pass a resolution, although it could be that. But it could also be, here's a street corner where there was a demonstration to support women's rights. And as a result, women's rights in that community were strengthened. Dom says the group is hoping to collect suggestions online and in listening sessions by the end of the month. In the forecast, just beautiful out there today. It, tonight should be clear and nice as well. 63 degrees for a low. Tomorrow, sunny, only slightly cooler. 77 for a high. A light wind around. Sunny on Thursday, just a few degrees cooler, about 77 tops. And we should have clouds spoil the fun for Friday. This is WBUR. It's 435. Support for NPR comes from this station. And from Easy Cater, committed to helping companies find food for meetings and team lunches. With catering menus from restaurants nationwide, online ordering, and 24-7 live support. EasyCater.com. From Amgen, a biotechnology company working to fight the world's toughest diseases. In a new era of human health, Amgen is dedicated to accelerating the pace of change to push beyond what's known today. And from listeners like you, who donate to this NPR station. This is All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Juana Summers. And I'm Ari Shapiro. It's time now for another conversation about the different ways we find meaning in the world with our colleague Rachel Martin. It's part of her series called Enlighten Me. Sometimes you find comfort in the most unusual places. It was 1997 and I was living in Japan teaching English to middle school kids. 
I lived in a tiny village, and in those early days especially, I was pretty lonely. Except for my good friends, Jean-Luc and Data. The teacher who had lived in my apartment before had left a huge box of VHS tapes. There were enough episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation to keep me company for the duration of my time there. So don't worry, I did make real friends in Japan, but that show, those characters navigating the galaxy, were an important touchstone as I explored my own new world. For the most devoted of fans, Star Trek The Next Generation represents far more. Its impact on so many people has been extraordinary. Ranging from people saying that it became their education to others who said, I was gonna end my life, but I couldn't because I wouldn't be able to see Star Trek anymore. That unforgettable voice is that of Sir Patrick Stewart, who played the captain of the Starship Enterprise on The Next Generation for seven seasons and in four feature films, and he stars in the latest TV iteration of the franchise, Picard. I got to talk with Stuart about his new memoir called Making It So. There is a bit in the book, early in your career, I think it was your first job, but you were an assistant stage manager. It's your first job in the industry. And you write this beautiful description of what it felt like to be on the stage. And I wondered if you would read that for me. Yes, I can. Thank you. At the end of each performance, I waited for the last actor and the staff to leave the theater before switching off the lights and locking up for the night. Actually, I left on one light in accordance with an old theater tradition, whereby a single bare bulb is left on, hanging over the center of the stage. With the theater otherwise deserted, I stood beneath this light every night, taking a moment to breathe in the auditorium and the vibrations of the audience that had just left it. I looked at the set, only recently populated by our company of actors. I was part of all this now. Indeed, I had responsibilities to fulfill, even if they were as a lowly assistant stage manager. This, I thought, is now my home. Maybe I am projecting, but there is, I think, a sacred quality to how you describe that space. Is that accurate? Did you sense oh. that kind of reverence oh, yes. or sacredness about the theater? Oh, yes. Yeah. To stand in the middle of an empty stage in an empty theater and feel that I was at home was everything. Mm. But it took a while for me to get there. Did you feel that on a television set? No, <laughs> I didn't. Cameras made me nervous. Yeah. You were not Gene Roddenberry's first pick to play Jean-Luc Picard. Taking this role was also going to take you really far from your wife and kids who lived back in England. Yeah. Why did you take it? I wasn't going to take it. Indeed, a dear, very dear friend of mine and a very important English actor had said to me, don't do this, Patrick. It, it's not what you need to do. You're a very good stage actor. That's where you ought to be. Don't do it. Because I had learned that the contract that I was being offered was for six years. But I was told we would be lucky to make it through the first season. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about that. I remember one actor saying to me, uh, look, you know, sign up for this. Do six months' work, 
make some money for the first time in your life and uh, get well known, get a suntan and go home. And I thought, yeah, that doesn't sound too bad. I could live with that. And of course, our first series lasted seven seasons. And then we made four feature films. I talk to a lot of people about spirituality and about the value of spiritual communities, which I think are when people who have similar values gather together and have or seek transcendent experiences. And I think Star Trek in all of its incarnations represents that to a lot of fans. It is a spiritual world. They treat it with religious reverence. Have you encountered that? I mean, do, do you get it? Yes. I see it very, very clearly, very strongly. It was about truth and fairness and honesty and respect for others, no matter who they were or what strange alien creature they looked like. Mm -hmm. That was immaterial. They were alive. And if they needed help, Jean-Luc Picard and his crew, his team, were there to give it. So yes, in a sense, we were ministers. And I have heard now so many times from individuals who have been honest enough and brave enough to tell me aspects of their life, of their health, of their mental health, and how it was all saved and improved by watching every week. I mean, how did that sit with you? That's an awful lot of responsibility to, to be that minister. I mean, you're an actor in a show and mm, people ascribe yeah. to you this wisdom, you as a moral compass for them. Yes, I was proud of it and what we did. And I talked to Brent Spiner and Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis and Gates McFadden and Michael Dorn, LeVar Burton, we talked about this kind of thing often. Hmm. And it's a glorious feeling because we're just having a good time. We love our jobs. I love acting. But and didn't that feel incongruous? That you're, no. you're acting and you're having fun, and, and, but it had this profound impact? No. It, it didn't feel at all incongruous hmm. because particularly given the role I was playing was a man of such profound understanding and empathy. And to feel like that as a person was such a reward for what we were doing because we were enjoying our work, our job, but at the same time, we were changing people's lives. Did playing Jean-Luc Picard make you a better person? It gave me an idea of how I might become a better person, yes. Hmm. I was able to absorb that and make those feelings a strong and firm part of my life. The book is called Making It So, the aptly titled memoir from actor Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. And for me too, a great pleasure and a privilege to have been talking to you. This is NPR News.
We're funded by you, our listeners, and by the Wheeler School for students in nursery through grade 12. Discover where your curiosity can take you at Wheeler. October 21st, open house, wheelerschool.org. And Elliott Community Human Services, committed to serving the most vulnerable populations and transforming lives. ElliottCHS.org. Stories, interviews, books, puzzles, investigations, tiny desk, podcasts, NPR. Donate. Thanks. Donate now. And thank you, especially if you become a monthly subscriber to WBUR. Going back to the news in just a couple of minutes. First, uh, we want to tell you that we are behind in this fun drive. We want to be transparent about that. We uh, unfortunately are not where we'd like to be at this point in the fun drive, which is coming to an end uh, just the day after tomorrow. And we're hoping that right now you will help us meet our goal and catch up. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. I'm Lisa Mullins with Meghna Chakraborty from On Point. Hi there, Lisa. And you know, we don't want to ever interrupt the news, but we have to because these fundraisers are the things that keep us going. They keep WBUR strong so that we can continue to bring you up to the, up to date, up to the minute news and the deep kind of analysis that you need to help make sense of the world, the topsy turvy world we live in now. Plus, you get really moving conversations like you just heard between Patrick Stewart oh, great. and Rachel Martin. It's the whole spectrum of humanity that we try to capture here on WBUR, but we can't do it without your help. So please do call 1-800-909-9287. And here's an example of the kind of storytelling that your support makes possible. I don't know how many radio stations keep you in the driveway so that you can listen to the end of whatever the story is because it's fascinating and because you're really learning something from it. And WBUR definitely does that. You feel like you've actually grasped the meaning behind what you're listening to and why something's happening. They sort of unpack an issue and they get people from industry, from policy, from the research world to speak on whatever the topic is. And so you get a well-rounded look at whatever the issue is. WBUR allows for the gray area, what it would look like if there wasn't a right answer or if there are many right answers. For all the reasons you listen, give monthly at WBUR.org. I just love hearing the voices of those listeners. They are so smart, and they say better than we can, in fact, what it is that uh, that uh, WBUR carries that means so much to everyone who listens, everyone who goes online at WBUR.org. We're behind in the fund drive. We're hoping that your pledge right now, your monthly pledge, will help us catch up. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. And if your monthly pledge can uh, total $12 a month, that's less than 50 cents a day. Yeah, I did that math, right? It's less than 50 cents a day. Then we, in return, will give you a terrific Eton Scorpion 2 emergency radio. That hurricane that a couple of weeks ago threatened to sort of land on uh, New England, it didn't really, thank goodness, it did not, um, was a reminder, though, that you can never be too prepared for any kind of emergency that might befall us. So the Eton Scorpion 2 radio would be a great addition to your preparedness kit at home 
if you have one, and if you don't, you should start one. But that's for $12 a month, and you just need to call 1-800-909-9287. And we hope that you will, whatever the incentive is that we provide for you, and we sure do present a lot, we hope that you will mostly think about the kind of interview that we just did right now with Sir Patrick Stewart, uh, talking about being a minister of sorts, a kind of moral compass uh, from his work with Star Trek Next Generation. And the interview that you're going to be hearing in just a couple of minutes, another uh, fascinating piece from WBU and National Public Radio. Call now and support it because every time you listen, you are going to learn something. We are watching, in fact, right now. Uh, there is a vote on whether or not um, uh, uh, Congressman Kevin McCarthy should be removed as House Speaker. This is a historic vote going on, and you know that we have reporters who are there to cover it, to give you the context around the vote. This is what you count on WBUR for. In fact, one of the many things you count on us for. So please support it right now. Help us catch up in this fun drive. one 800 9287 wburorg Again, the number is one 800 909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. We are behind where we need to be in our fall fundraisers. So now is the time. If you can do your part to help us get us to our goal, do it at 800-909-9287. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Data IQ, a platform for everyday AI dedicated to helping teams move beyond the lab to build generative AI applications at enterprise scale. D-A-T-A-I-K-U dot com. From Procter & Gamble, maker of Z-Quil Pure Z's gummies, designed with melatonin for occasional sleeplessness to help people fall asleep naturally. Learn more at zquill.com. And from the sustaining members of this NPR station, from NPR News, this is All Things Considered. I'm Juana Summers. And I'm Ari Shapiro. DNA evidence can be the reason a victim of sexual violence gets justice, if that evidence is actually processed. More than 100,000 kits of sexual assault evidence, known as rape kits, sit untested across the country. Now, two members of Congress from opposing parties have teamed up to address the problem. Republican Representative Nancy Mace of South Carolina has spoken out about being a survivor of rape. She and her colleague, Democratic Representative Barbara Lee of California, introduced this legislation last week. Congresswoman Lee, Congresswoman Mace, it is good to have you both with us. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Nice being with you. Why is there such a huge backlog of rape kits across the country? Well, uh, first of all, we know that state and local law enforcement agencies sometimes lack the resources or lack the organization to be able to do that. But first of all, I want to just give a shout out to Barbara Lee for reaching across the aisle, working with me on this crucial, critical, most important legislation for women, because every single rape kit represents a survivor seeking justice. It represents a survivor seeking closure. And our duty is to ensure the voices of these women are heard loud and clear. Congresswoman Lee? Yeah, uh, and I have to just salute Representative Mace because, you know, working mm -hmm. with her really not only addresses the issue, but I think it's important that the country understand that there are efforts that are being worked on in a bipartisan way. And so it's uh, a moment that we need to understand uh, as it relates to the fact that one in five women are victims of rape or attempted rape. And the numbers are, are even higher for women of color. And the, it's a matter of priorities. You know, oftentimes we see that women are not priority in terms of survivors of, of rape. And so this hopefully sends a message 
that we want justice for survivors, and this should be prioritized. We so often hear that law enforcement is not national, it is state and local. And so can you each tell me what the specific circumstances are leading to the backlog in your state, California and South Carolina? Well, in in South Carolina, we know sometimes it's a matter of of resources for our state and local law enforcement. And we are getting a lot of support on this legislation from our state and local law enforcement agencies. And they are also in agreement that we need greater accountability, greater transparency in addressing the backlog crisis. And they need support. And they need help from Congress as well. And in California, what's the situation? Well, you know, California is further ahead than most states, but we still have about 14,000 untested uh, DNA rape kits. And I uh, am not sure why, because we have the funding to do that. But also, unfortunately, law enforcement may turn their heads and just uh, not believe uh, women. And that's an aspect of this that we have to address. In some cases, processing this backlog is a matter of priorities. In others, it is a matter of resources. Each rape kit can cost 1000 to $1,500 to test. Does Congress need to provide just more money, which is not in the bill that you've introduced? Let me just say the bill doesn't provide any new funds to state, but it conditions the use of what we send already, the burn JAG funds on following a simple uh, reporting requirement. So the federal government has been finding state backlog kits for much too long without any oversight. I mean, that's a very strong message. That if they don't report, the money won't flow. Yeah, I mean, that's implied, but also it means that they have to also move forward uh, because otherwise uh, they're gonna be penalized. And right now, we wanna make sure from a first standpoint, being able to pass a bill through Congress right now as we're having fights over spending, that it can it can pass both chambers, that it can be bipartisan. Um, that would be a second step as we go through future funding in the Congress. From my perspective, we want to empower our law enforcement agencies and encourage them. So it's mandating that they report their backlogs and let us know how far behind are they, what the plan is, because if they don't do it, they're definitely going to lose funding. The two of you, a Republican and a Democrat, seem to be marching in lockstep at a moment when most of the members of your parties are marching in opposite directions, playing a game of tug of war with the country, with the economy. What lessons do you think this offers for the other lawmakers who you serve with? Well, it's about working together, and we do have agreement. It may not be every day or all that often, but we do have agreement. It is in our duty to work together for the American people, because most people in this country, they don't trust Congress because we've not given them a reason to. But when we work together for the betterment of our communities, our society, then that gives them hope, and that's what we should be doing, especially when we're in very divisive times. Yeah, and and I'm glad that uh, you're covering this, because I can tell you right now, many of us, Congresswoman Mace, myself, and others work in a bipartisan way on a variety of legislative agendas. But it's important that the press cover it. That is Representative Barbara Lee of California, a Democrat, and Representative Nancy Mace of South Carolina, a Republican. Thank you both. Thank you, Ari. Thanks a million. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by the Harvard Institute for Learning and Retirement. Join a vibrant academic community, enjoy in-person peer-led courses on their Cambridge campus, speaker events, special interest groups, and more. Apply by October 25th to start in February. To learn more, visit their website, the Harvard Institute for Learning in Retirement.
and Boston Ballet's Fall Experience featuring four dynamic ballets on stage October 5th to the 15th. Tickets at bostonballet.org. Millions of people depend on the NPR network. We depend on you. Your support is central to our journalistic integrity. Donate to this station today, and thank you. And please know that your donations make possible coverage of important stories, and there are several of them going on today. There's been a historic vote on Capitol Hill this afternoon, just in the past 15 minutes, as House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is voted out as Speaker. He thought he would be able to get the fighting factions together. Did not have support from enough Republicans or Democrats. The vote was 216 to oust him to 210 to keep him in as Speaker. We're going to be looking at how McCarthy miscalculated and also looking at what happens next in the House uh, in just a couple of minutes on WBUR. One of the stories you know you can count on WBUR to tell you straight and give you context, give you um, an idea of what's happening to bring this to a vote, why Democrats voted as they did, why some Republicans voted as they did. That's what we're asking you to pay for, that kind of coverage now, with your contribution monthly, if you can, 1-800-909-9287, or pledge online, if you prefer, at WBUR.org. I'm Lisa Mullins with Begna Chakrabarty. This historic vote that just happened to remove Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House is proof enough about the urgency of the need when it comes to news and information sources that you can trust. There's big news happening every day and lots of potential sources for you to choose. We get that. But we work extraordinarily hard here at WBUR every day to be a place that you can put your faith in, your trust in, that we're going to give you the facts. We're going to give you the analysis. We're going to give you the information to help you make sense of the world. And the urgency for the funding to do that is also very real because we are behind in our fundraising where we want to be right now. But we have a triple match going on at this moment. So if you can give us a monthly gift and call before 5 o'clock or donate before 5 o'clock, it will be tripled. So now's the time. 1-800-909-9287. This is Ira Glass of This American Life from Public Radio International. One of the things that makes public radio different is the way that it's funded. We have the most idealistic system, the fairest system, the best system in the world. That is... Those of us who listen all the time, those of us who like the kinds of stories and shows and analysis and music and authors that are on this radio station every day, those of us who like that kind of thing, we all pitch in together, and that's how it stays on the air. Public radio equals public support. If you can help out, give a call. We could not stay on the air without public support. That means your support right now, especially just for the next two minutes. We have a triple match on the table. So please, if you can do $10 a month, a monthly subscription, then please um, do it now because it'll become $30 a month for us. 30 becomes 90 and so on. And so your money goes that much further. And what you're getting as a result is the coverage that you know you can count on. As Megna said, there are lots of places where you can go to get the news. When you get it at WBUR, you know you're getting it straight. You're getting exactly the facts and context that helps us all understand what's going on. There is a lot going on today. You're listening to WBUR Ford. We have it coming up at the top of the hour. And please know that we have only you that can help us pay for this because you make up the majority of our operating budget. Here's the number once again. Make a monthly uh, contribution and have it tripled by calling 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. And those tripled contributions, those tripled monthly contributions are going to 
to help us catch up to where we need to be to make this fall fundraiser a success. So once again, the number is one 800-909-9287, or you can go to WBUR.org and invest in a news source that you believe in. Call now, 1-800-909-9287, WBUR.org. We are so happy that you listen. Please support us right now with your monthly donation. Thank you. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Drexel University, whose cooperative education program works to empower students to explore future careers and discover their ideal profession before graduation. This is experiential education. More at drexel.edu. From the Langloth Foundation, supporting justice, equity, and opportunity for all people to foster and sustain safe and healthy communities. Learn more at langloth.org. From Fisher Investments, Fisher Investments team of specialists tailor portfolios to each client's long-term goals. Learn more at fisherinvestments.com. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. And from ECMC Foundation at ecmcfoundation.org. I'm executive producer of podcasts Ben Brock Johnson, and this is 90.9 WBUR-FM Boston, 92.7 WBUA-Tisbury, and 89.1 WBUH-Brewster. Listen anytime with our app or at WBUR.org. WBUR, Boston's NPR news station. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Jack Spear. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is out in a historic vote today. The yeas prevailed, McCarthy becoming the first speaker in U.S. history to be removed from office. The vote was brought about by Florida Republican Matt Gates. Speaking on the House floor, Gates stated why he believed McCarthy needed to go. Let me let everyone know he prevailed in that speaker contest because he made an agreement to fulfill certain commitments, to make this an open and honest process, and he has failed to meet those commitments, and that's why we are here. However, GOP Representative Tom Cole of Oklahoma spoke in favor of keeping the speaker in his post. The overwhelming majority of my party supports the speaker that we elected. We're proud of the leadership he's shown. We're proud of the manner in which he's been willing to work with everybody in our conference and, I believe, in this chamber. The 216 to 210 vote to remove McCarthy is a product of a rebellion from the far right wing of his party, though by far most of the votes to get it done came not from Republicans but from Democrats. It means a new speaker will now have to be elected. The judge overseeing Donald Trump's civil trial in New York issued a gag order on the former president. As NPR's Jimena Bastille reports, it's the second day of the trial. Judge Arthur Ngoron told former President Donald Trump and his legal team that he was issuing a gag order as a result of a social media post featuring one of the judge's staffers. The judge made the remarks after a break on the second day of trial. The gag order limits posting or publicly speaking about any member of the judge's staff, he said. Throughout the start of the trial, Trump has lobbed insults at the judge and Attorney General Letitia James, who is suing Trump for allegedly inflating the value of his assets. The trial is expected to run for several weeks. 
Jimena Bustillo, NPR News, New York County Supreme Court. The Nobel Prize in Physics has been awarded to three researchers for their work on ultra-short pulses of light. NPR's Jeff Bromfield has that story. The prize went to Pierre Agostini of Ohio State University, Ferenz Krauss of the Max Planck Institute for Quantum Optics in Germany, and Anne Louillet of Lund University in Sweden. Louillet was actually teaching when the Nobel Prize Committee called. The last half hour of my lecture was a bit difficult to do. A half an hour is an eternity in the world that she and her fellow winners study. They create pulses of light that last just a billionth of a billionth of a second. That brief time allows them to probe electrons, the negative particles that circle around atoms. The work is fundamental, but could one day lead to new ways to detect cancer and improve electronics. Jeff Brumfield, NPR News. More help wanted signs were going up in August. The Labor Department reporting today American employers posted 9.6 million job openings in August. Those numbers apparently weighing on Wall Street somewhat. The Dow was down 430 points today. You're listening to NPR. This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Lisa Mullins. We're now on the removal of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy today from the speakership. All nine members of the state's all-Democratic congressional delegation voted for McCarthy's removal. Congressman Lori Trahan issued a statement moments ago. She called McCarthy a weak speaker with an inability to lead. The group Lawyers for Civil Rights is launching a guide to help public schools in Massachusetts support diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. It includes advice for creating student groups, teaching about civil rights, and banning certain language in the classroom. That guide's available on the organization's website. And bridges in Boston, including the Zakem and Longfellow, will be lit up northeastern red tonight to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the school's founding. Northeastern celebrated earlier today with a Founders' Day party, including musical performances and three augmented reality exhibits showing the school's history. In the forecast, a nice June day for October, 82 degrees in Boston, sunshine lasting into the evening. Tonight, starlit skies falling to about 60. Tomorrow, another bright, dry day, about 77 for a high. Ditto for Thursday, sunny skies, temperatures in the mid to upper 70s. This is WBUR 81 degrees now at 5.05. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by the Wallace Foundation, working to develop and share practices that can improve learning and enrichment for young people and the vitality of the arts for everyone. Ideas and information at wallacefoundation.org. This is 90.9 WBUR. The story behind House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's ouster as Speaker, it just happened about a half hour ago on Capitol Hill. We will have that coming up in just a couple of minutes. First, we're asking you to support us so we can bring you stories like this one. Breaking stories, stories that take uh, a back look at what's happening uh, to create the news, to create the historic events that are happening right now. This is what we're asking you to pay for with a monthly contribution right now, 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. I'm Lisa Mullins with Meghna Chakrabarty. And a monthly contribution helps WBUR tremendously because it allows us to predict the steadiness of the kinds of funds that we will have to do the journalism that you expect. And steadiness and reliance is are the things that we want to deliver to you as well. But we need your help in return. So a monthly gift makes all the difference in the world for WBUR. Call now, one 800 
909-9287. You can do it in any amount. If $10 a month is uh, in your reach or 12 15 100 whatever it might be, 800-909-9287. 1-800-909-9287. Radio Boston host Tiziana Deering tells us now about the importance of our community. On Radio Boston, we set out to really get to know the people who represent us in Congress. I mean, we know their policies. We know what they're doing in Washington. We know the bills they file. But what about why they file those bills or why they even decided to try to serve in the first place? So we set out to do that, and it worked. Take Ed Markey, for example. It turns out that his commitment to climate, it goes all the way back to his childhood and the contamination that he grew up with in Malden. My mother would say to me, Eddie, whatever you do, you're the oldest. Don't swim in the Malden River. We're in Wad 2, where all of the industries are, and we're using the rivers, the ground, the air, as their dumping ground. We learned about Ayanna Presley and how much the death of her mother has moved her. Her mother's death was a transition for her, and her mother's spirit motivates her, and it moves her forward. I told myself that my mother physically was transitioning, and now I would absorb that energy. I would absorb and carry with me the best parts of her. And Seth Moulton. He saw enough death and trauma when he served four tours in Iraq that he actually came home and fought for a mental health hotline. A woman walked up to me and she said, excuse me, sir, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just want you to know that your law saved my daughter's life. And her 12-year-old daughter was standing there next to her. That's why I keep doing this. We tell people stories because we know that when we understand each other, we are stronger as a community. And it is important that we understand each other and stick together as community. And we think that's what WBUR does. You're part of our community. We're part of yours. We hope that we uh, strengthen you and your understanding in your life. You can strengthen us right now specifically by making a small monthly commitment to WBUR. It could be $10 a month, $15 a month if you can afford that. This helps keep journalism strong for all of us. So once again, it's WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call. And when I was listening to Tiziana there, she really, really drove an important point home. We need to understand not just what happens, but why it happens. And in order to do that, we need to understand the people who make things happen. And humanizing everybody that we talk to, no matter who it is, that example that Tiziana gave us was outstanding. It makes it helps make us make sense of why people do what they do, whether they're in Congress, Beacon Hill, or your next door neighbor. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call. And if you're able to do a contribution of $12 a month in return, we're going to give you this terrific Eton Scorpion 2 emergency multi-powered radio. So 1-800-909-9287 for that. WBUR is the place that will help you understand what comes next in Washington, for instance, following the ouster today of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. The nuance, the detail, the context that comes with this, that is all possible because of our listeners' 
and specifically our sustaining listeners, those who make a monthly pledge to WBUR, that makes stories behind the headlines possible. So if you believe in the value of understanding, then please support it because you know that you can count on getting the whole story from WBUR, getting the story straight, and finding out with confidence what could happen next, what the options are of what could happen next. So please support it right now, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. It's not just about the headlines, right? Because you can get the headlines literally anywhere. But with historic news like the removal of Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker, you really want to get the impact, the analysis, the aid in understanding what could this mean for the country, especially in the coming days and weeks, as I guess we're looking at a transition of power in the U.S. House of Representatives. Sustaining donations to WBUR allow that kind of long-term in-depth journalism. We cannot do it without you. So now's the time to call 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. And of course, this is a national story. This is a local story as well. Each member of uh, the Massachusetts Democratic uh, Coalition in the House voted to oust the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, today. We'll be hearing from them today and tomorrow, of course, on Morning Edition. So stay with us. 1-800-909-9287 supports WBUR with your monthly sustaining gift or go to WBUR.org. Thank you again. We are funded by you, our listeners, and by Arts Thursdays at Harvard with Carpenter Center for the Visual Arts 60th Anniversary, Artist Talk by Popel, and Opening of This Machine Creates Opacities this Thursday at 6, and Office of the Massachusetts State Treasurer. Check to see if you have unclaimed property at findmassmoney.gov. From NPR News, this is All Things Considered. I'm Ari Shapiro. And I'm Juana Summers. It has been a historic day on Capitol Hill. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Today, Republican Kevin McCarthy became the first speaker in history to be removed by a vote of the U.S. House. We're joined now by NPR congressional correspondent Deirdre Walsh for the latest. And Deirdre, I know that you're on Capitol Hill right now. You've been following this story all day. What's the latest? It's just been stunning and chaotic. I was in the House chamber when the presiding officer gaveled the vote. You could hear a pin drop when he announced the tally, and it dawned on members they don't have a speaker and they don't have any idea who the next speaker is going to be. At what point, a member yelled out, what now? I mean, this all came down to the math. Kevin McCarthy could only lose a handful of of votes due to his slim House Republican majority. Remember, he was the one who agreed to this rule back in January when he was elected speaker that just one lawmaker could file a motion to oust the Speaker of the House. Florida Republican Matt Gates did that, and they had the vote today. I mean, there was some drama in terms of how many members were missing, what the final number was going to be. But it was still really stunning to sit in the chamber for the final roll call when members were asked to stand and call out their vote alphabetically. And people just saw a, a party at war with itself. The House Republicans are just sort of in chaos right now. You mentioned Republican Matt Gates of Florida, who has been a key player at the center of all of this. Why was the, today the day that Gates decided to, to push to oust McCarthy? Well, he filed his motion yesterday, and the speaker could have voted on it in two days. But I think McCarthy knew that 
where things were headed. Uh, even this morning, he said, going into a meeting with his members, you know, only takes maybe five of my own members to t- to vote with the Democrats and I'm gone. I mean, I think they, the writing was sort of on the wall that a, st- a, f- a group of far right conservatives didn't want him to be the speaker anymore. And it really came down to the deal he cut this weekend to push ahead with a temporary spending bill to avoid a shutdown. Um, and a lot of uh, Republicans opposed that deal. 90 voted against it. But a lot of them just thought that was grounds to get rid of the speaker because they thought he didn't follow through on deals that he made back in January. You mentioned Democrats, all of them voting to oust McCarthy from the speakership. What was their argument there? Democrats just don't trust Kevin McCarthy. I mean, there was some talk about a group of moderate House Democrats talking to some moderate House Republicans, possibly to get some concessions on, you know, bills to vote to send money to Ukraine, another bill to avoid a shutdown in mid-November, possibly to stop the impeachment inquiry. But no one believes uh, Kevin McCarthy's word. Uh, a lot, you know, one by one, House Democrats had a caucus meeting this morning, and they each had a minute to get up and talk about what they think the caucus should do. And no one wanted to help save Kevin McCarthy. I mean, I just want to underscore, Deirdre, this is a really unprecedented situation. So I'll end by asking you, what happens next? I don't think any of us really have any idea. For now, there is a presiding officer, North Carolina Republican Patrick McHenry, who basically will preside over the election of a new speaker. We don't know when that vote's going to happen. House Republicans and House Democrats are supposed to meet separately tonight, but we just don't know what will happen next. NPR's Deirdre Walsh, thanks so much for keeping us updated. Thanks, Juana. We'll We'll continue following this story as it unfolds. Meanwhile, So much food waste ends up in landfills, and there it generates methane, one of the most potent planet-warming gases. Well, here's the good news. Food waste is one of the easiest ways to take on climate change, and one company has figured out how to make a dent. As Kaylee Wells from member station KCRW reports, all you need is your phone. It's almost closing time here at Jackie's Bakery in West L.A. And John Monk has just picked up a dozen pastries. Normally, they'd cost about $40, but he just paid $12 because an app on his phone called Too Good To Go told him these pastries were about to get tossed. I know that the restaurant industry has so much waste, and so it's a good way of getting a deal as well as not wasting. The reason he's here is because Jackie's Bakery signed up with the app to participate a few months ago. Alejandra Ulloa works behind the register. She says people coming in for a good deal frequently come back again to buy pastries at full price. Like, oh, I tried your bag. I really like that muffin. Let me go ahead and come back tomorrow and try that muffin and get another muffin. Monk gets cheap food, and the bakery recoups some money on food that otherwise would go into the landfill. It's a win-win. From the app's perspective, those are great side effects, but that's not the main point. Chris McCauley leads the U.S. team for Too Good to Go, which started in Denmark in 2015. The kernel of the why is really around reducing food waste because it's such a large contributor to CO2E. CO2E means the carbon dioxide equivalent of different gases that contribute to climate change. So when Monk picked up his order, the app added his purchase to his lifetime climate impact tally. It tells him all the electricity and carbon emissions he's prevented from going to waste. Macaulay says every saved bag of food adds up. I think it's doing that on a micro scale and having a macro impact. Rotten food in landfills makes a potent planet-warming gas called methane. But the climate impact goes beyond that. Consider the blueberry danish in Monk's bag. 
There's the land it took to grow the wheat that got turned into flour, the water it took to grow the berries that got turned into the jam, the gas it took to power the shipping trucks and the processing factories, and that's just one saved pastry from one of hundreds of participating businesses just in Los Angeles. In seven years, Macaulay says Too Good to Go has reached 17 countries worldwide. We've saved over 250 million meals. That's one meal every three seconds. So, you know, if you think about the scale, it is having an impact. Which, according to the app's estimate, translates to taking about 135,000 cars off the road for a year. Alexandria Corey works for the nonprofit Refed, which uses data to find solutions to food waste. And she says markdown alert apps like Too Good to Go have the potential to reduce the equivalent carbon emissions of 870,000 cars in a year. So that's a huge amount, especially considering that in the U.S., all food loss and waste accounts for about 6% of our total greenhouse gas emissions footprint. Corey says more than a third of food in the U.S. goes uneaten. Markdown alert apps like that of Too Good to Go are one of the top 10 solutions to fighting food loss and waste as well as climate change. But apps like this one can only go so far. Corey says Too Good to Go is a great place to get pastries, but not necessarily a great place to find fresh produce. I think in the areas where they've tried to expand into retail grocery, even into manufacturing, are still a little bit to be figured out there. That's something Chris McCauley says the app is working on. Too Good to Go launched in L.A. a year ago, and the company claims L.A. is their most successful city yet. They just added Santa Barbara, Atlanta, and Minneapolis to their list of cities. Next, it's headed to cities in the southeast. For NPR News, I'm Kaylee Wells in Los Angeles. Sam Bankman-Fried's criminal trial got underway today with jury selection. Better known by his initials SBF, is accused of orchestrating one of the largest financial frauds in history. FTX, the multi-billion dollar crypto company he founded, collapsed late last year. NPR's David Gura joins us now from outside the Daniel Patrick Moynihan United States Courthouse in New York City. Hey, David. Hey, Juana. So, David, you've been at the courthouse. Tell us what the scene has been there and inside the courtroom today. You know, we had these competing circuses in Lower Manhattan today. There was this one, and then just around the corner, there was the circus surrounding the trial involving former President Trump. That ended up delaying Sam Bankman-Fried's arrival. When he did get to the courtroom, he was wearing a gray suit and tie. He had a haircut, which was striking, because this is someone whose trademark was an unkempt coif. Uh, SBF was not handcuffed, and when he sat down next to his lawyers, they presented him with a laptop he is allowed to use during the trial and when he's in the courtroom. And you could tell this was a huge deal for a guy who has spent so much of his life online. He's been in jail for more than a month now without access to a computer. And even though this one doesn't have access to the Internet, he just lit up when he saw it. He was typing on it throughout the day's proceedings, Juana, as Judge Lewis Kaplan asked questions of dozens of prospective jurors. What kind of questions did you hear? Well, the judge nodded to Sam Bankman-Fried's notoriety. He asked prospective jurors if they were familiar with the case. Several of them were. Then he turned to SBF and said, stand up and turn around so everyone can see you. And he did that. Then the judge asked if anyone had experience trading cryptocurrencies. Several prospective jurors said they'd lost money doing just that. He asked them if they'd seen an interview on 60 Minutes on Sunday with the author Michael Lewis, who's written a biography of SBF. And at one point, the judge addressed the defendant directly. He wanted to make sure that SBF knows he has the right to testify even if his lawyers advise him not to. Now, whether or not he'll do that remains an open question. Right. David, if you can, remind us of the allegations against SBF. 
Yeah, he faces seven criminal counts. He's charged with wire fraud and securities fraud, also money laundering. Basically, he's accused of lying to customers and investors who poured billions of dollars into SBF's companies. And if he's found guilty here, Juana, SBF could spend the rest of his life in prison. He's accused of enriching himself with customer money, living large, buying multi-million dollar real estate in the Bahamas. What's at the heart of the government's case is this allegation that Sam Bankman-Fried took FTX customers' money Use that money to plug this giant hole that opened up in the balance sheet at an investment fund he also started called Alameda Research. In separate bankruptcy proceedings, an effort is underway wanted to claw back $8 billion that disappeared. Mm. What can we expect to see in the weeks to come? Yeah, this trial is expected to last for six weeks, which is on the longer side. It was a, identified as a hardship for a number of prospective jurors who said they couldn't be away from work that long. Today, the lead prosecutor read a list of involved parties, people who might come up in the case or testify. That list includes Bankman-Fried's parents, who are star professors at Stanford Law School. They're the subject of a separate civil suit, accusing them of enriching themselves at the expense of FTX customers. Four cooperating witnesses are also on that list. One of them is Caroline Ellison, who ran Alameda Research, that crypto hedge fund. Ellison is also Sam Bankman-Fried's ex-girlfriend, and we are expecting to hear from her, along with a number of FTX customers, as this trial unfolds. NPR's David Gura, as you can hear, outside the federal courthouse in New York City, where Sam Bankman-Fried's criminal trial started today. David, thank you. Thanks, Juana. Thank you for listening to All Things Considered from NPR News. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Brigham and Women's Hospital. For expert, research-based obstetric and gynecologic care, turn to Brigham and Women's, specialists in women's health with the latest innovative treatments for complex conditions. U.S. News ranks Brigham and Women's number one for obstetric and gynecologic care in the country. BrighamandWomens.org. I'm Deepa Fernandez. The crisis in journalism has been chronicled many times over. The pandemic and current economic conditions hasten the decline. Most of the focus has been on newspapers, but even WBUR's own future is far from assured. That's why we need more members and member dollars. Giving $10 or $20 every month is the single best thing you can do to keep our journalism going. Give monthly at WBUR.org. And thank you. Please give a contribution right now if you haven't as yet. If you have, by the way, thank you so much. We are so indebted to you. If you haven't, now is the time to do it. As we are wrapping our heads around so much news that's happening right now, historic news from Washington and from New York, in fact, um, this is the kind of thing, these are the kinds of stories that you count on WBUR and NPR to bring you with accuracy, with accountability, and we're hoping you will pay for it because you make up the vast majority of our operating budget and because right now, whatever you pledge on a monthly basis will be tripled. I'm Lisa Mullins with Magna Chakrabarty. And that triple match for monthly donations ends at 5.30. So now's the time to call 1-800-909-9287. The triple match will be taking place over the entire year. So for tw- for 12 months of your monthly donation, the triple match is going to be part of what keeps WBUR strong. So 1-800-909-9287, that is the number to call. When NPR first came on the air, a set of principles guided our work. NPR will serve the individual 
promote personal growth, regard differences with respect and joy rather than derision and hate. NPR will provide listeners with an experience that enriches and gives meaning to the human spirit. NPR will explore, investigate, and try to interpret issues of the day so listeners might better understand themselves, as well as governments, institutions, our world. NPR will be trustworthy, enhance intellectual development, expand knowledge, and increase the pleasure of living in a pluralistic society. NPR will be a service to listeners that makes them more responsive, informed human beings, and responsible citizens of their communities and the world. And that's still our purpose, work we do with you and for you, and we can only do it with your support. So please donate to this station today. What you've been hearing are the principles that we have lived by in public radio for 50 years. Times change. The principles, the mission doesn't. So please, right now, pledge your support to WBUR. Pledge your support to the radio station you've chosen to listen to out of all the stations available to you, out of all the information sources. There's a reason that you've come here. So please make a monthly contribution to support us. We will be so grateful if you do, and we will triple your match thanks to some very generous listeners. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. It looks like Meghna Chakrabarty, about two minutes two minutes more for this triple match. Yeah, and in those two minutes, we hope to actually make some significant strides forward in where we are with this fall fundraiser because the facts are we're behind where we need to be in order to have the fundraiser be a success. That success is WBUR's overall success. And WBUR's success means you get great news and information every day, day in and day out. But... You've got a call now to help us get there. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call. And if you are able to give a monthly contribution, there's that triple match on your contribution. you got to do it within the next two minutes, though, because it ends at 530. That match does. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call or WBUR.org. You get so much from WBUR, and not only the coverage right now, up to the minute coverage on uh, the ousting of the House Speaker Kevin McCarthy today as Speaker. Also, information on what happens next. We're going to be hearing from a Republican member of the House in just a couple of minutes. And meanwhile, former President Donald Trump was on trial in court today in New York in a civil fraud lawsuit. So the amount of news that we cover is monumental. The monumental nature of the news is really unusual, and you know that you can count on us for to provide it uh, to you on a timely basis with complete accuracy, and that's what you're paying for, or we're asking you to pay for anyway. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. For one more minute, you can get your contribution tripled. 1-800-909-9287. So give as much as you can as a monthly contribution, and that gets tripled. It becomes three times more. So I'm thinking that means overall it's a four-time, four-layer contribution, right? If you can give $15 a month, we'll triple that. And I think that ends up, ends up being around $60 a month. But someone, I'm sure, one of our great producers will check me on it. $45 a month is the triple contribution. Okay, 1-800-909-9287. Just do it now. 800-909-9287. If you have already, by the way, thank you so much. We are so grateful. If you haven't, we need to fill this gap. And you can help us do that call by call, pledge by pledge. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Boston Graduate School of Psychoanalysis. Earn your doctorate in psychoanalysis. 
better understand your clients, build your clinical skills, and advance your career in this psychoanalytic training program. Master's graduates from all disciplines welcome to apply. Now accepting applications for spring. Learn more at bgsp.edu. And the Umbrella Arts Center, presenting Lizzie. Lizzie Borden finally gets her say in this ghost story meets rock concert musical, now through November 5th. More at theumbrellaarts.org. Live from NPR News in Culver City, California, I'm Dwayne Brown. On Capitol Hill, infighting among Republicans has led to the ouster of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, plunging Congress into further chaos just days after it narrowly averted a government shutdown. The 216 to 210 vote marked the first time in history that the House has removed its leader, driven out by a small group of far-right Republicans. The rebellion was led by Florida Congressman Matt Gates, who accused the party leader of not doing enough to cut federal spending, among other things. We've got to be able to assemble a governing coalition. We have to build from a place of trust. The reason Kevin McCarthy went down today is because nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. No clear successor has emerged to replace McCarthy. It's the latest drama in a year that's seen the Republican-controlled House bring Washington to the brink of default and the edge of a partial government shutdown. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley appears to be gaining some momentum in her bid to become the Republican Party nominee for president next year. From New Hampshire Public Radio, Josh Rogers reports on the state's latest early voting poll. With more than 50 New Hampshire campaign stops, Nikki Haley's become a familiar presence in the state that will hold the first primary. And her approach, conservative policies pitched without the hard edge of some of her Republican rivals, appears to be working. That's according to several recent New Hampshire polls, putting her in second place. But Donald Trump still holds a commanding lead in those same polls. He also appears to be holding on to his core supporters. Neil Levesque leads St. Anselm College's Institute of Politics. The issue is, is that Trump's supporters are not dropping off of Trump. So it's not like he's losing people to, to Nikki Haley, at least not yet. Haley's New Hampshire gains appear to be coming at the expense of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. For NPR News, I'm Josh Rogers in Concord. Stocks finished broadly lower on Wall Street today. The Dow down one and a quarter percent. This is NPR. This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Lisa Mullins. All nine members of the Massachusetts All-Democratic Congressional Delegation voted in favor of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's removal from his post this afternoon. In a social media post explaining his vote, Congressman Seth Moulton said McCarthy sold his soul to the most extreme members of Congress and can't be trusted. Democratic Whip Catherine Clark said you can't steer a ship without a moral compass. Efforts are underway to establish an Indigenous Peoples Day in Massachusetts. State Senator Joe Comerford testified at the State House today in support of a bill that would change Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. She said that when Columbus arrived in America, the land was already teeming with societies. She says Indigenous people have called on the state to take action. It is thanks to their courageous truth-telling that we recognize the legacy of colonization in the name of Columbus as one not worthy of extraordinary memorialization or celebration. She says 20 states and the District of Columbia already observe Indigenous Peoples Day in addition to or in place of Columbus Day. Boston Mayor Michelle Wu is designating a community center in the North End as a Boston landmark. About 1,500 people signed a petition to protect the original bathhouse building and playground at the Boston Center for Youth and Families Nazaro Community Center. The designation will preserve the building's exterior and allow for upgrades. 
State Representative Aaron Michaelowitz said at a ceremony today he remembers playing basketball there as a teenager. This building is literally like the center point of the neighborhood, and it has meant so much as a center point to everyone that lives here, not just the youth, but the but the seniors uh, and everyone that you know participates in different things, the community meetings, everything that goes on in here uh, has been so critical to the growth of our neighborhood. The North End will also soon be getting a new community center. Drivers around Boston should brace for additional traffic overnight tonight. The I-93 Tip O'Neill Tunnel northbound will close from 11 tonight till 5 tomorrow morning. Crews will use the time for maintenance work. Just gorgeous out there if you like at least sunny degrees, uh, sunny days of about 80 degrees, which is what it is right now. Tonight should be nice, clear skies, 63 for a low. Tomorrow, sunny and slightly cooler, 77 for a high. This is 90.9 WBUR. It's 535. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Lodestar Foundation, inspired by the principle that helping someone else less fortunate is a path to a happier, healthier, and more meaningful life. Learn more at lodestarfoundation.org. From the Kauffman Foundation, providing access to opportunities that help people achieve financial stability, upward mobility, and economic prosperity, regardless of race, gender, or geography. Kauffman.org. And from the sustaining members of this NPR station. This is All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Juana Summers. And I'm Ari Shapiro. The Supreme Court heard a major case involving the structure of government today. A majority of the justices seemed inclined to uphold the way the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and many other federal agencies are funded. NPR legal affairs correspondent Nina Totenberg reports. After the 2008 crash, Congress created the CFPB to protect consumers from what were seen as predatory and deceptive practices by financial institutions. Since then, the Bureau has established consumer protections for transactions ranging from mortgages to credit cards. But payday lenders have for years fought regulations that would limit excessive fees charged on small loans of just a few hundred dollars, fees that often end up costing people thousands of dollars. Then last year, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the CFPB's structure is unconstitutional because instead of an annual congressional appropriation, Congress set the agency's funding at a capped amount that comes from banking fees paid to the Federal Reserve System. The government appealed to the Supreme Court because many other agencies are similarly funded, including the Federal Reserve itself, the FDIC, which insures bank deposits, the Office of the Controller of the Currency, which charters and regulates all national banks, and potentially even Social Security and Medicare, which are funded by a specific tax. At the High Court today, Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelager defended the CFPB's funding mechanism, noting that the Constitution's framers created similar funding structures. The very first Congress appropriated without specifying a fixed sum. The first act that it enacted that was an appropriation specified up to a particular cap of spending that was authorized. That's just how the CFPB's funding mechanism is structured today, and there have been countless appropriations that look like this throughout history. We counted more than 400 uses of this kind of discretion. But Chief Justice Roberts sounded skeptical. You have a very aggressive uh, view of Congress's authority under the Appropriations Clause. Justice Gorsuch asked whether the current rules would apply if the CFPB funds were not capped at $600 million, but a trillion dollars. 
But Justice Kavanaugh interjected. So Congress could change it tomorrow. Absolutely, Congress could change it tomorrow. Representing the payday lenders on the other side of the argument was former Solicitor General Noel Francisco. Congress has never authorized an agency to pick its own perpetual appropriation. And if it can do that for the CFPB, then you have blessed a regime in which Congress can authorize the executive branch to spend whatever it wants to fund the entire government. But several of the justices, both conservative and liberal, flatly told Francisco that his argument made no sense to them because it had no limiting principle. Justice Barrett. Mr. Well, Francisco, this is the standard be? Is it like an intelligible principle of, of money spent? I mean, I think we're all struggling to figure out then what's, what's the standard that you would use. Just assuming that you're right, that there has mm-hmm. to be something more than the $600 million. How do you decide how much is too much? It's difficult to come up with a hard and fast rule that's saying too much is too much, which is Justice Kavanaugh questioned Francisco's argument that the CFPB is funded by a perpetual appropriation. Uh, The word perpetual I'm having trouble with because uh, it implies that uh, it's entrenched and that a future Mm -hmm. Congress couldn't change it. But Congress could change it tomorrow. And there's nothing perpetual or permanent about this. Francisco seemed to suggest that the problem with the CFPB funding is that it didn't go through an annual line-item congressional appropriation. But Justice Kagan pointed out that standing appropriations like this one were common at the founding. Annual line-item appropriations were some appropriations, but um, massively not all appropriations. So you're just flying in the face of 250 years of history. Justice Thomas also seemed frustrated. I'd like you to complete this uh, sentence. Uh, funding of the CFPB is violates the Appropriations Clause because... Because Congress has not determined the amount that this agency should be spending. Instead, it has delegated to the director the authority to pick his own appropriation, subject only to an upper limit that's so so high it's rarely meaningful. A decision in the case is expected next year. Nina Totenberg, NPR News, Washington. After 148 days, television and movie writers are headed back to work. And whether they're starting a new job, working on a show that was put on hold, or looking for a new gig, writers are happy that the strike is over. I'm really excited to go back to work. Um, I mean, I love to write and I love the room that I'm in. I'm really excited to kind of go back to that camaraderie and kind of that environment. That's Elise Brown. She wrote on the Hulu series Candy, which is based on the true story of a woman accused of murdering her lover's wife. I did have an affair with Alan Gore, but it, well, it has nothing to do with all of this. I I ended it. I ended it a long time ago. That's a scene from an episode Brown wrote, and on Wednesday, she's headed back to work, this time for season three of Showtime's hit series Yellow Jackets. Another writer who can't wait to get back to work is Kylie Brakeman. She's a comedy writer, but isn't quite sure where she'll land. I am unemployed in kind of an awesome and cool way. And it is kind of nice. Like, I know it is tough to find work as a writer and as an actor, but it feels a little bit more optimistic because it feels like there's more protections in place. Brakeman had worked on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Thank you, dogs willing to wear Halloween costumes for looking at their owners and going, sure, I'll do it. It seems like they need this. That's a joke Brakeman wrote for a recurring bit, thank you notes. With all writing stopped, both Brakeman and Brown were left feeling, well... I definitely felt a little aimless, a little wandering. 
there was just so much kind of anxiety and emotion kind of built up um, in terms of just trying to figure out like where the strike was going and trying to continue to make ends meet and also just worrying about, you know, the uncertainty of it all. So what do you do when you have all the time in the world? Pick up new hobbies, of course. I picked up the banjo. We were on strike for long enough for me to buy a banjo, sort of learn how to play the banjo and then completely forget how to play the banjo. Luckily, banjo playing won't be necessary for her next job, but she does hope her next job will allow her to expand her comedic writing. I think overall a big thing for me is like, I just love telling stories about women who are horrible, like Lucille Bluth. That would be Lucille Bluth, the boozy matriarch from Fox's acclaimed series Arrested Development. Get me a vodka rocks. Mom, it's breakfast. And a piece of toast. Brown says she's looking forward to joining the staff of Yellow Jackets. She's especially drawn to how the series leans into dark comedy. It's really bold and really surprising and unapologetic. And I think that makes it really fun and exciting. And so I'm excited to be back in the room and kind of be part of finding those things that hopefully people will find really surprising and exciting and don't see coming. That was Elise Brown and Kylie Brakeman, members of the Writers Guild of America, who are no longer on strike. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by the Music Emporium, purveyors of vintage and new acoustic and electric guitars for over 50 years. Every instrument has a story. You can discover yours at themusicemporium.com. Millions of people depend on the NPR network. We depend on you. Your support is central to our journalistic integrity. Donate to this station today, and thank you. We're asking you to donate right now on a monthly basis, if you can, before we go back to the news. That is just in a couple of minutes. There is so much happening right now. We're going to be hearing from a Republican strategist about the U.S. House vote. It happened just over an hour ago to remove California Congressman Kevin McCarthy from the speakership. We're going to be hearing about what happened next. Actually, Magna Chakrabarty, who's with me right now, I don't know if you heard that one member of the House after the vote yelled, what now? And the truth is, we don't know, uh, but we're going to be hearing uh, about that through the day today and, of course, tomorrow on WBUR. And all this coverage, whether it's breaking news or standback stories, feature stories, comes at a cost. We hope that you will help us defray those costs right now because we're behind in this fundraising effort now. You can help us close the gap right now with your call at one 800 909 or pledge online if you like at WBUR.org. And once again, we are not where we want to be in terms of uh, reaching our goal for this fall fundraiser. So, excuse me, I'm getting all emotional about it. Okay, not really. I'm getting choked <laughs> up, literally. But but the urgency that I feel is actually strong. And so for anyone out there who's listening right now, you are listening through a fundraiser because you know the news on either side of it is valuable and meaningful in your life. So if you're able to give a monthly contribution, it will make a huge difference in helping us meet our goal. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call or WBUR.org. Boston is fortunate to have options when it comes to news sources, but local journalism is in decline. I'm Ari Shapiro. WBUR is doing everything it can to bring you meaningful, nuanced stories from greater Boston. But WBUR can't do its job without your financial support. We need every listener who can give to give a little money every month. 
Become a member at WBUR.org. And when you do, you decide how much you want to give. Um, and we are only asking for you to give uh, in proportion to what WBUR is worth to you. The nuance that Ari Shapiro talked about there, the kind of context that you hear every day with pretty much every story on WBUR, what is that worth to you? Whether it be a hard news story or a feature story, WBR is the place that will help you understand what comes next, the meaning of what's going on. So tell us what that's worth to you. And if you can make a monthly contribution, please do it now, 1-800-909-9287 or pledge online at WBUR.org. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call and to just sweeten the offer a little bit. If you can uh, contribute $12 a month to WBUR, in exchange, we're going to give you the Scorpion 2 Eton Radio. It is very cool. It's really cool. It's an emergency radio with a digital AM, FM radio, NOAA weather band. That's what you're going to need. It's got a flashlight. A little Lego-like, I think. A little Lego-like. Oh, you're a really you're a woman after my own heart. Um, <laughs> it's got you can power your phone off of it. It's got a hand crank and everything. You know, once again, we are living in a world where you cannot be too prepared for any eventuality because history might be made like it was made today in the House with the first ever removal of a sitting speaker. So from major news in Washington to things happening in your own home, WBUR wants to be there to aid you to get you through any unexpected moment. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call. And for $12 a month, that Eton Radio is yours. We are so grateful for any pledge. As long as it fits your budget, we are happy with it because we need to make our budget. And we are, as Magna said, behind right now. And that's not a place where we want to be. So invest in the station that you've chosen to listen to for some of the historic news stories going on right now, including today in Washington. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Thank you. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Organic Valley, a farmer-owned cooperative dedicated to providing ethically sourced food from small organic family farms across the country. Learn more at ov.coop slash ethically sourced. And from Procter & Gamble, maker of Nervive Nerve Relief. Nervive is designed to reduce occasional nerve aches, weakness, and discomfort in hands or feet due to aging. Learn more at NerviveHealth.com. This is NPR. This is All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Ari Shapiro. And I'm Juana Summers. For the first time in U.S. history, the members of the House of Representatives have voted to remove their speaker. California Congressman Kevin McCarthy is out of the job. It's the result of agitation from a hard right group of his fellow Republicans. Chaos is Speaker McCarthy. Chaos is somebody who we cannot trust with their word. That is Florida Representative Matt Gates, who led the charge to remove McCarthy as Speaker. The House then entered a recess. And so we've brought in Republican strategist Ron Bonjean for analysis. Welcome. Thank you very much. So just to get us started, what's your reaction to this news that Kevin McCarthy has been ousted as Speaker? As someone that served as communications director to a Republican Speaker of the House, I am really shocked at, at, on one hand. And on the other hand, it's rather surprising that he lasted this long, considering the current dynamics um, in the House. It's, um, it's, it's a time where most Republicans, I think, are also shocked 
they would rather see something like this type of leadership change happen at the end of a session, not during the middle. Um, and the group of Republicans that have voted alongside with Democrats to oust them, they don't have a plan moving forward. Right. There isn't a plan. And I think that's what's most concerning of all is that they did this, uh, they did this out of, you know, out of retribution for him going ahead and funding the U.S. government. Right. And Ron, what does this tell you about the state of the Republican Party today? Right now, the House of Re Republicans are in disarray. They are leaderless. They will need to figure this out rather quickly with who their leader is going to be going forward. This is uh, a major stumble in keeping the majority. Um, and they need to refocus and get this back on track quickly. The next Republican speaker would probably benefit by changing the rules on allowing a small group of Republicans to uh, offer a motion to vacate the, <laughs> vacate the speakership. Um, and I think that's what did him in is McCarthy agreed to so many concessions that one of those concessions really came up and, and, and did him in in the end. I mean, I just want to big talk about this big picture here for a second. We have not been in a situation like this before. What does this kind of political dysfunction mean for the American people who rely on Congress to get things done? Well, I think, you know, it's symbolic of the overall political dysfunction that our nation's occurring <laughs> at large. I mean, we're, we, we need a functioning House of Representatives and we need a functioning government. I think the fact that McCarthy was able to continue the government funding and not having a shutdown says a lot for him uh, that he actually you know can say that he did did everything for the right reasons there but we obviously need to have a speaker of the house elected very quickly to keep things moving to keep to continue right. to negotiate with the white house and with the senate on funding the government and to continue to help solve the problems of millions of Americans who count on their government. That's why they vote uh, in their elected representatives. They do not expect things like this to happen. And I think that that's what the, how short-sighted it was of uh, these small group of Republicans. In fact, they didn't have a plan. They just right. decided to make a mess of everything. Well, they don't, I don't think they realize the implications of all of it. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. Um, North Carolina Congressman Patrick McHenry, also a Republican, has been named interim speaker. But in your view, is there a member of Congress for the speakership who can actually unite the party right now? Well, I was going to say uh, Speaker Pro Tem um, um, Patrick McHenry would be an excellent uh, speaker. It's someone that m most Republicans trust, and I would say most meaning probably <laughs> including those those eight have voted against McCarthy. Um, however, they're going to have to come to consensus. There are plenty of Republicans that could do a great job at leading. It's what they just witnessed, which would give many people pause uh, in terms of whether or not they would actually want to do this job because it's it's virtually untenable. If you, Unless they change the ability for Republicans okay. to toss out, a small group of Republicans to toss out um, their leader at a whim, We'll have then to, this is the and type we'll of, have to see if that happens. Unfortunately, Ron, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been talking with Republican strategist Ron Bonjean about the ouster of former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Ron, thank you. Thank you.
We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Brown University's Executive Master of Business Administration program, rethinking the role of business as a vehicle for change, professional.brown.edu. And Lessons in Chemistry. Oscar winner Brie Larson stars as a chemist who hosts a cooking show, proving life doesn't follow a formula. Streaming October 13th on Apple TV+. This is 90.9 WBUR. We're going to cut to the chase right now. We are hoping that in the next few minutes, you will help us fill the gap in this fundraiser. We are behind. We don't like being behind at all. There is so much news happening today, including this historic vote you've been hearing about on Capitol Hill as House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is voted out as Speaker. We are providing the context behind this. We're looking ahead at what happens next. The answer to that is nobody knows right now. But you turn to WBUR for the breaking news and for the perspective of what might happen, what how this is going to affect the American public, how this is going to affect uh, operations in Congress. This is what you count on from a reliable source. You keep us going with your funding right now, 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. And right now, Whatever you decide to pledge, if it's on a monthly basis, it will be tripled. It will be tripled. And I'm still hanging my head in shame that I couldn't do my math right earlier, so let me do it properly now. If you call before 6 o'clock and say you're able to contribute $15 a month, then that will be tripled to $45 a month. I actually can do basic arithmetic. But the point is, is that one plus one plus one equals three, which means three times as much funding for WBUR, just based on your one single phone call to 1-800-909-9287. Listening to WBUR really gives me a precise understanding of what's going on in a very short amount of time. I get a little smarter every time I listen, and I learn all types of different information. It's the sort of programming that helps me understand myself and helps me understand the world around me better. I want to be able to participate in conversations and really contribute to what's going on around me and in the world, and and just to be conscious about what's happening in my life. It's just an opportunity to learn about so many different subjects, learn about different places in the world that I never would otherwise have been exposed to. For all the ways WBUR enriches your life, give monthly at WBUR.org. And give right now and get your match tripled. Magna Chakrabarty, I don't know about you, but I love those listeners. I love what each and every one of them said about WBUR and what they get out of listening to WBUR, going online, going on the app, um, coming to an event at City Space. All of it is part of the package that you get when you support WBUR. You can get your monthly gift tripled right now, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Just three more minutes to get it tripled. Just three more minutes. And this isn't the just an offer for people who are going to be new monthly contributors. If you're already a monthly contributor, thank you so very much for showing your support for WBUR. But now's the time to call and maybe say, hey, I want to increase my uh, monthly donation from 10 to $15 or from 15 to $20 because that too will be triple matched. If you call before 6, 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call or WBUR.org. And what happens is you are making us stronger. Every pledge makes us stronger. Monthly contributions help us out even more in terms of planning 
our budget ahead. And please know that in terms of your own budget, if your situation changes, let's say you've decided to pledge a certain amount on a monthly basis, you can no longer afford that. You can change that. You're not locked in for a year or two years or five years or whatever. You can change it at any time. You can also, as Magna was saying, um, uh, decide that you want to pledge even more money if you can afford that. We make it easy for you, and we try to make it make sense for you. Right now, you can get your pledge tripled if you call 1-800-909-9287. Go to WBUR.org and make a monthly contribution. You know, I think to myself frequently, how much more history can we live through? The truth is, there's much more yet to come, right? We have this historic moment today with the removal of now former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. We have the former President of the United States on trial right now. We have the next big election coming up in 2024. It does feel very much that the United States is at some kind of turning point in our journey as a democracy. This is called punctuated equilibrium. Yeah. Thank you, Stephen Jay Gould. Um, Rest in peace as always. But the thing is, is that now more than ever, you need a news source where you don't have to wonder what is that news source's actual interest? Who's funding them? Where are they getting their money? What are they trying to do? Because you are the ones funding us transparently. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call to keep WBOR strong. And if you do it in the next minute, you will get that triple match. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Counting down the seconds now to get your monthly pledge tripled. So please take advantage of this. All the news that's happening today, the historic news that Magna mentioned you're going to be hearing about, you're going to be hearing about some lighter stories as well because we bring you whatever we think is going to enhance your life, enhance your understanding of the news that's going on. That's what you can count on from WBUR. And you don't have to wonder where the money is coming from. Uh, keeps keeps us operating because it comes from you. Thank you so much. Support for NPR comes from this station and from BritBox, streaming new and familiar British comedies starring Greg Davies, David Tennant, Ricky Gervais, Chris Dowd, and others. Available at BritBox.com slash NPR. From Indeed, designed to be an end-to-end hiring solution for businesses of all sizes to attract, interview, and hire candidates, all from a single platform. Learn more at indeed.com slash NPR. From Procter & Gamble, maker of Metamucil, a fiber supplement containing psyllium, a plant-based fiber for trapping and removing waste in the digestive system, designed to be taken every day. More at metamucil.com. And from the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation at macfound.org. I'm senior business reporter Yasmin Amr. This is 90.9 WBUR-FM Boston, 92.7 WBUA-Tisbury, and 89.1 WBUH-Brewster. Listen anytime with our app or at WBUR.org. WBUR, Boston's NPR news station. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Jack Spear. For the first time in American history, a Speaker of the House has been ousted from that leadership post. NPR's Windsor Johnson reports today's vote to remove Speaker Kevin McCarthy was led by hard-right Republicans who have been threatening to strip the Speaker from his post for months. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. 
Eight Republicans joined Democrats in voting in favor to oust the speaker. In debate leading up to the vote, Congressman Matt Gates said that House leadership under McCarthy has been chaotic. If we continue with Speaker McCarthy, the appropriations process will go right back to what he wanted it to go back to. Just a sideshow, just a puppet show. Just something to keep the hamsters on the hamster wheel. The historic vote comes just days after this same hard right faction blasted McCarthy for relying on Democratic support to pass a short term government spending bill. Windsor Johnston, NPR News, Washington. President Biden held a call with allies today, reassuring them the U.S. remains committed to supporting Ukraine for as long as it takes. NPR's Asma Hawley reports the call comes as Congress has yet to pass a bill to provide additional funding for Ukraine. Congress passed a short-term government funding bill over the weekend, but it did not include any aid money for Ukraine's fight against Russia. The White House has said it is critical Congress provides the additional funds before time and supplies run out. Here's National Security Spokesman John Kirby. A lapse in support for even a short period of time could make all the difference on the battlefield. He says support could run out in a couple of months based on current levels. The White House insists there are only a small number of vocal House Republicans who oppose Ukraine funding. Public opinion is murkier. Many Americans do continue to back the Ukraine war, but that support appears to have eroded somewhat over time. Asma Khalid, NPR News. The White House. Stocks fell sharply today after a surprising jump in the number of job openings. NPR Scott Horsley reports the Dow tumbled about one and a quarter percent. Investors are worried that the Federal Reserve may have to push interest rates even higher and keep them up for an extended period in order to curb inflation. Now that view is being underscored by a stronger than expected report on the job market. The Labor Department says there were 9.6 million vacant jobs at the end of August, nearly 700,000 more than the previous month. Some analysts downplayed that increase as a statistical fluke. The number of people who quit jobs or were laid off in August showed little change. We'll get a more comprehensive look at the labor market later this week when the government reports on job growth and unemployment for the month of September. Scott Horsley, NPR News, Washington. Looking at the numbers, the Dow was down 430 points. The Nasdaq fell 248 points. The S&P 500 dropped 58 points. This is NPR. This is 90.9 WBUR. Good evening. I'm Lisa Mullins. Massachusetts' all-Democratic congressional delegation is reacting to the removal of Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy this afternoon. Congresswoman Lori Trahan says McCarthy was a weak speaker who put his ambition ahead of the American people. Congressman Jim McGovern said McCarthy created chaos and dysfunction in the House by catering to MAGA extremists. Every member of the delegation voted to oust McCarthy as speaker today. Massachusetts residents are about to get some tax relief. Governor Maura Healy's office says she will sign the tax relief package approved by lawmakers tomorrow. Officials say the changes could save taxpayers a total of $561 million this fiscal year. Ely has called for the state to reform the tax code to make life more affordable for families and boost economic competitiveness. And the head of the MBTA's department that oversees long-term system improvements is stepping down next week. Angel Pena has led the T's capital transformation team for less than two years. He oversaw projects involving improvements and repairs across the red, orange, blue, and green lines. In the forecast, pretty nice night tonight. It is now 78 degrees, should fall to about 60 overnight tonight. Then another bright, dry day tomorrow, a little bit cooler than today was, about 77 for a high. This is 90.9 WBUR. It's 6.05. 
We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Luminescence Foundation, dedicated to shedding light on neurological research focused on Alzheimer's and Parkinson's diseases and supporting land conservation initiatives. At NPR and this station, we're not beholden to anybody but you. Public media is central to our democracy, so please keep it strong and donate today. Donate, in fact, right now before we go back to the news and so much news going on today. We hope that you realize why you've turned to WBUR because it's such a reliable source with such accountability. Same, of course, for National Public Radio. And you're getting historic news from this station. Put a dollar value on that. Tell us what it's worth to you. If you can make a donation, please do. If you can make it on a monthly subscriber basis, we would so appreciate that. You name the amount. It could be $10 a month, $15 a month, $50 a month if you can swing it. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. And obviously today we've been talking a lot about the importance of WBUR and NPR's political coverage. But Lisa, when you had mentioned the weather outside and for tomorrow, I thought, you know... Uh, the sun's great, but I should not be looking longingly at the fan on the ceiling or the <laughs> AC in the window in October, right? It's yeah, really kind of kind of yeah. messes with your head. And so that got me thinking about climate and the extraordinary climate coverage that comes right here from our local newsroom at WBUR with the environment team focusing on how do we understand the contributions and impacts of climate change here on us in New England. That is the longest of long-term stories that we have before us, and that's why we need your consistent support. It makes all the difference to give monthly to keep all sorts of reporting like climate coverage here on WBUR. 800-909-9287. And we should say, Magna, every day this week on WBUR, we're looking at exactly what we can all do individually to address one of the most pressing issues of our time. It's Climate Solutions Week. We hope that uh, everyone will listen. Yeah, perfect example. Another example of why long-term funding, sustainable funding, helps gr- create great journalism that makes a difference in your life. 800-909-9287. It's Layla Faldid from NPR's Morning Edition. The demonization of fact-based journalism is one of democracy's biggest threats. This aversion to truth has taken hold as the number of local newsrooms has dwindled, leaving reams of disinformation to fill the void. In public radio, we have a responsibility to counteract disinformation. This station is an oasis amid all the noise and fiction. Having a reporter at the school board meeting at City Hall, that is our resistance to the undermining of a free press. We resist by being there, by providing platforms for people to see themselves reflected and to see difference. We resist by building bridges and by holding people to account. We do it thanks to you. You give us the tools we need to fight attacks on truth by donating to this station. Here's how. By calling right now, we hope, 1-800-909-9287 or going online at WBUR.org. Every time you listen to WBUR, you're listening to a station that that holds officialdom into uh, to the truth, that is an accountable source, that has so many uh, checks and balances on what we bring you on the air, online, even in our podcasts, that we hope you appreciate that we can't do this without you and your support. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have ads. We have some foundation support, but by far, you, our listeners, make up the majority of our operating budget. one 800 909 
on WBUR.org. We are behind in the fund drive. Your call will help us fill the gap call by call, uh, pledge by pledge at WBUR.org. You know, Lisa, sometimes people ask me, um, you know, why do I do this job? Because journalism is, is struggling, right? And I think, and I, my answer is, if there's anything I can do, anything to help give my kids the, a better world to inherit, then it's worth it. And trying to create a world that has better information, higher quality information, fair reporting, the sort of currency, the circulation of democracy relies on that stuff, well, then I think it's worth it. It's worth it for the future. And I hope you feel the same way, which is why monthly funding, monthly contributions at WBUR are a steady source of funding to help guarantee that sort of more reliable information future for all of us and for the next generation who will rely on WBUR. So please do call 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org to be part of that, that movement to help keep the news and information healthy and reliable for you. And what better way to decide how you want to keep democracy running, how you want to keep the flow of accurate information going and fight disinformation and misinformation what better way than to support a station like WBUR? And with with your support, we also pay dues to National Public Radio, considerable amount of dues. So you know where the money is going. You know that it's making a statement. Please support independent journalism and do it right now, 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. Again, the number is 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. And if the preservation of democracy isn't enough incentive for you, if you're able to <laughs> give 12... fancy radio. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's like you get two for, two for one. You help preserve your democracy and for $12 a month con- con- <laughs> monthly contribution, you will also get this terrific emergency radio from Eton. So that's for a $12 a month contribution. And all you have to do is call 1-800-909-9287. Please make the call now and you can get a hand crank power solar charging USB smartphone charger, NOAA weatherband, digital tuning, one half watt LED flashlight radio. <laughs> you got it's, all that in it's one actually, breath. It's actually very cool. So that's yours for, I think it's 12, is $12 it $12 a, a month. month? So please consider a $12 a month contribution. one 800 90 or WBUR.org, and thank you so much. WBUR supporters include Elliott Community Human Services, with two community behavioral health centers open 24-7 in Danvers and Lynn, ElliottCHS.org, Salem State University School of Graduate Studies, join classmates with varied professional and educational backgrounds, salemstate.edu slash graduate, and Cambridge School of Culinary Arts in Porter Square, with culinary and pastry certificate and diploma programs for aspiring chefs, cambridgeculinary.com or on their app. It's All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Mary Louise Kelly. And I'm Ari Shapiro. Congress plunged into chaos today as Kevin McCarthy became the first Speaker of the House in history to be removed from the job by a vote of his own chamber, the U.S. House of Representatives. The stunning moment was the result of a months-long game of chicken between McCarthy and fellow Republican Matt Gates. In the end, it took just eight Republicans to vote with Democrats to remove McCarthy from the job, leaving Republicans with no answer for how they will govern. NPR political correspondent Susan Davis is following this from the Capitol. Hi, Sue. Hey, Ari. No speaker has ever been removed 
from this job in this manner. What does this mean for Congress and for the country right now? For the country, it means the government is in chaos. The House cannot function without a Speaker of the House. That means no legislation can come before the House. It's good that the government, uh, that they reached an agreement to keep the government open for the next month and a half. Uh, it also means that there are problems with the line of secession. The Speaker pro tem, who was just appointed by the House, Patrick McHenry of North Carolina, he is forbidden from serving in the line of secession to the presidency. The Speaker of the House, of course, is, is third in line. And so the House, as a matter of both constitutional progress and national security issues cannot move forward until a Speaker of the House can be elected. The big question tonight is, of course, who in this Congress can get the necessary votes to get the job? Because the hardline Republicans who undermined McCarthy don't in and of themselves have enough votes. What are they actually trying to do? They don't really know. They wanted to get the speaker out. They have no plan to get somebody else in. It is very clear that the eight Republicans who voted against McCarthy seem almost immovable. Voting for him again seems out of the question. But also, whoever wants to be speaker is going to have to find a way to get hardline conservatives on board or somehow attempt to reach across the aisle and get Democratic support, although that that seems highly unlikely and also unprecedented. So this could go on for a while. In the beginning of the Congress, it took Kevin McCarthy several days and 15 rounds of voting. It might be another laborious process for the House to determine who can lead it. You say it could go on for a while. You also mentioned that there are 40-some-odd days until the next government shutdown. It's breathing room, but it's not an indefinite amount of breathing room. It's not, and there's no guarantees for what will happen then. You know, Democrats played a significant role here. They provided the bulk of the votes to get Kevin McCarthy out of office. But there are, as you note, very hard deadlines coming up, not just for the Congress, but for impact on the country. It seems unlikely that they could make it that long without a speaker. That would be a truly chaotic and unprecedented situation. But it's clear that Democrats are not in a position to lend uh, Republicans any lifelines here. This is a Republican problem that's going to need to be figured out with Republican votes. Is the party irreconcilable or was this just a short-term burst of anger that will subside? That's a good question. One of the big questions we have tonight that we're trying to get answers on is will Kevin McCarthy run again? Going into this vote, his allies said even if the hardliners succeed, they will renominate him for speaker. Coming out of the vote, every single Republican I talked to said, well, let's wait and see what McCarthy wants to do. He is expected to address Republicans this evening. They will be meeting in the basement of the Capitol to try to decide to answer that question and to see if anyone else will run. But But it does seem like Kevin McCarthy's speakership did fully end tonight, as it is hard to imagine any way the hardliners could vote for him again. And are Democrats wringing their hands about the future of the country right now or feeling schadenfreude at the man who they voted to oust as well? I don't think you can underestimate the disregard that Democrats had for Kevin McCarthy, not just for how he has run the House as speaker, but certainly for pursuing impeachment of President Joe Biden. But this also goes back to the January 6th attack on the Capitol and how he conducted himself then and realigned himself with former President Trump. So I don't think that there are any sad Democrats in the building tonight. I think that they see the Republican Party as having a huge problem amongst themselves, and they are happy to let the chaos play out. We are obviously going to continue following this story as the night unfolds. NPR Susan Davis report on the ouster of former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Thank you so much. You're welcome. To another big Washington story, the future of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It was on the line today at the Supreme Court. Justices heard arguments in a case where payday lenders who are policed by the CFPB are challenging the way the agency is funded. 
A federal appeals court ruled in the lender's favor, and if the high court were to agree, that could end the Bureau's ability to help protect consumers from abusive practices by lenders and other businesses. When the CFPB was founded back in 2011, Philip Glover was relieved. He needed the agency's help right away. Earlier that year, Glover and his wife had been struggling with the plumbing in their home in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. So they called a company to come out and take a look. They came and worked on the plumbing a little bit, and and it kept backing up and backing up, but it never got fixed. And I had to go to another company. But the first company kept billing them and billing them, even though they hadn't fixed the problem. So Glover called the CFPB and... They sent them a letter, and the next time I got a letter from Roto-Rooter, it was that they would not be billing me any further. I was a corrections officer in the federal government, and I didn't make a lot of money, so that was, that was helpful. Years later, the Glovers ended up going through a very similar experience. They had decided they didn't need their landline anymore, and they ended the service. But the phone company continued to bill them and bill them, and it ended up affecting Philip Glover's credit. So he reached out again to the CFPB. And the next thing I got was a uh, letter from Verizon that that would be removed from my credit report and that I wouldn't be hearing from them again on that matter. So we used that agency twice and really felt like they were responsive and helped us. For more on the history of the Consumer Watchdog Agency and its battle with payday lenders, we are joined now by NPR's Scott Horsley. Hey, Scott. Hi, good to be with you. So I learned today you have been watching this for a long time, like way longer than I realized. Give us the backstory. (laughs) Well, for more than a decade now, there's been this tug of war over what kind of lease this watchdog agency should be on. Uh, But the payday lending story goes back even further. I started following the industry around the turn of the century uh, when it was still a pretty new industry. I was working in San Diego where there are a lot of military people and payday lenders often spring up around military bases to make loans to sailors and Marines who don't have a lot of money but do have a dependable paycheck. Uh, And other people also rely on payday lenders. Back in 2001, I spoke to Trudy Robodeau. She borrowed $800 to make a car repair. She wasn't able to pay it back right away, so she was invited to take out more loans. Ching, you're hooked. You know, you can feel the hook right in your mouth, and you don't know it at the time, but it gets deeper and deeper. I was having to get one to pay another. It's a real nightmare. Eventually, that $800 loan wound up costing Robodeau thousands of dollars. And that's the kind of trap the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau was set up to prevent. Uh, The Bureau was originally dreamed up by Elizabeth Warren when she was still a law professor. Warren famously said, if you had a toaster with a one in five chance of blowing up, the government wouldn't let you sell it. So there ought to be similar safeguards for financial products. I think I have one of those toasters in my kitchen right now, Scott. But um, (laughs) staying focused here, the payday lenders are now, of course, at the heart of this challenge to the way that the Bureau is funded, this challenge that's now before the Supreme Court. What is the argument that they're making? They argue that the Bureau is funded out of fees that the Federal Reserve collects. It's not reliant on an annual appropriation from Congress. And Aaron Witte, who's with the Consumer Federation of America, says that was the goal, to insulate the watchdog from partisan politics. The way the CFPB was designed was intentional. Congress didn't want an agency whose effectiveness was going to ebb and flow 
with the whims of partisan politics. We were all reminded just this past weekend why it's risky to rely on Congress to renew your funding every year. Uh, And there are lots of other government agencies that don't have to have an annual appropriation, including the Federal Reserve itself. Still, the payday lenders argue this is unconstitutional. And if they succeed in that argument, then the CFPB won't be the only agency whose future is called into question. But if the point of setting up the Bureau and having it financed this way was to insulate it from politics, I mean, I'm looking back at the last dozen years or so, the the Bureau has not been entirely insulated from politics, has it? No, it has been a punching bag. When when Donald Trump was president, he installed Mick Mulvaney as director of the Bureau. Uh, Mulvaney had been one of the most outspoken critics of the watchdog as a member of Congress. And as director, he and other Trump appointees worked to really water down the Bureau's enforcement efforts. Uh, for example, part of the crackdown on payday lenders had been to say they had to make sure a borrower would be able to repay a loan without getting sucked into a cycle of debt. And that provision was actually struck down during the Trump administration. This followed an earlier battle in which the Supreme Court ruled that the director of the Watchdog Bureau can be fired by the president. Trump used that power to put his own stamp on the agency. So then President Biden has done so as well. For the last few years, we've had a much more active consumer protection agenda. And how does this play with the American people, Scott? You know, the CFPB is popular with the public. Polls show Democrats and Republicans alike feel it's useful to have an agency that's looking out for them in their dealings with often much more sophisticated financial institutions. Over the years, the Bureau has recovered some $17 billion for consumers. It's gone after not only predatory lenders, but debt collectors and student loan servicers and ordinary banks with their overdraft fees. Mike Calhoun, who heads the Center for Responsible Lending, says no agency is really immune from politics, but the Bureau has proven to be pretty resilient and remarkably popular. Consumers like this, and you were going to burn some real political capital to defang it and make it ineffective. Calhoun says the Bureau has been a game changer when it comes to financial regulation, and that's why it's facing a serious challenge for businesses who found the old way of playing the game very profitable. That is NPR's chief economics correspondent. Before that, our White House correspondent. And before that, our San Diego reporter. Who knew? NPR's Scott Horsley. Thank you. Good to be with you. We are funded by you, our listeners, and by Boston Ballet's Fall Experience, featuring four dynamic ballets. On stage October 5th to the 15th, tickets at bostonballet.org. And Fresh City Kitchen, offering a thoughtful approach to catering your special occasions. FreshCityKitchen.com. This is 90.9 WBUR. We are going to Marketplace in just a couple of minutes. So much news going on today. So much news, and meaning so many reasons to listen to WBUR. And stay up on what's happening. Know about uh, what transpired on this historic day in Washington, D.C. We hope that that's of value to you. And right now, what's of even more value is that we have a triple match on the table. So during this fund drive, we're hoping you will make the call now if you haven't become a monthly subscriber. And whatever your contribution is, you will get it tripled only until 6.30. So a little less than six six minutes to go. 1-800-909-9287 is the number. WBUR.org is the site where you can very quickly make your contribution, which will be meaningful for us. It will be meaningful for us because, as you know, we talk a lot about fact-based 
analysis and reporting and being fully transparent. Well, I want to be fully transparent with you about the fundraiser. We are considerably behind, as we've been saying, where we need to be at this point in the fundraiser in order to meet our goal. I don't want us to miss our goal, but we have to be honest and say right now we've got to push over the next couple of days in order to meet it. So help us catch up. If you call now or go to the website, WBUR.org, and do that before 6.30, your contribution, your monthly contribution, will be tripled for a year. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call. There is uh, so much information that we put out there, and every bit of it has uh, some funding from listeners. You make up the majority of our operating budget. Here's one example of the kind of storytelling that your support makes possible. Hi, I'm Chloe Axelson, the senior editor of WBUR's Ideas and Opinion page. A 2017 essay by Julie Wittischlack gets a lot of attention whenever we repost it. The piece pivots on an old photograph of Julie's mom and dad and her aunt and uncle at the beach. All four have lived through tumultuous times, having survived Nazis and bankruptcy and disease. Yet in that photo... You can't imagine four people more full of life. Julie wonders how they did it. Did they have a stronger sense of agency? Had they simply lost their fear? Neither, she concludes. Those four parents simply loved life's essentials. Food, water, sun, and a herd to huddle with, with a blazing fierceness that parched despair before it could take root. I think people love this essay and keep returning to it because it delivers lessons for our anxious times, that even the most difficult of circumstances can be met with love and gratitude. A big part of my job is to help our authors uncover emotional truths. It's one of the ways our role at WBUR goes beyond telling you the news of the day to bringing you stories that illuminate ideas and foster connection. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call, and Chloe's exactly right. Big issues, difficult topics... They can all be met with authentic humanity, genuine curiosity, and open-mindedness. And that's what we try to do here at WBUR, and that's what we hope you choose to support in any amount that's right for you. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call, and you should do it now for a very specific reason, right, Lisa? Yeah, because your match, your monthly gift will be tripled, so please make your gift right now. Thanks to those of you who've just called in the past couple of minutes. We so appreciate what you've done. Thanks if you've called already at any time during this fun drive. You've realized that we rely on you for everything that we do 24-7 at WBUR. So right now, if you haven't called, make a monthly gift. Could be $10 a month, could be $15 a month, 20 or more if you can afford it. Whatever it is, it will be tripled on a monthly basis for an entire year. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Just want to mention also, 
Magna, as you know, we are not here to say the sky is falling. We're no. not here to holler at people, to uh, express opinions and shout opinions as if they were facts. That's not what we do. Um, maybe it would be easier if we aired commercials, but that's not what we're about. Um, that's not what our charter is. That's not what we want to be doing. So we hope right now you'll understand your vital role for us. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call to support that vital role, not only that you play for us here at WBUR, which Lisa so aptly said, but for the role we hope WBUR plays in your life. So once again, in all honesty, we're behind where we need to be in the fundraiser. And we need folks to call in right now. Maybe it's time for you to become a new contributor to WBUR. Maybe you already are, and you want to add a couple of bucks a month to your monthly contribution. Both groups, your contribution will be tripled in this match, but you have to call the next 30 seconds. So 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. You can do it 20 seconds. If you make the call, if you go online right now, we will be happy to apply that triple match, but you've got to do it right now. 1-800-909-9287, WBUR.org. You as listeners make up the majority of our operating budget. Please don't let us down. Help us fill the gap. Thank you once again. WBUR supporters include McLean Hospital. For expert, research-based psychiatric care, turn to McLean. Leading clinicians treating depression, anxiety, addiction, and more. Innovative care from specialists dedicated to improving lives. U.S. News ranks McLean number one for psychiatric care in the country. More at mclanehospital.org.